And welcome to Gleaming of the Geek, the Over Under Edition 2023. You're finally allowed to rename the show. <laughs> this one we know exactly what we're going to be covering. Well, here's we'll the thing. see. It has not been uncommon in the past where we start the, you know, the Over Under Edition and it goes either way too long or we have to split off the central into something else. Right. Or... But if we don't end up doing Over Unders on this show, something went really weird. <laughs> <laughs> we had some super some, compelling some 45 news minute, broke yeah. at uh, 7.45 right. on uh, <laughs> Friday morning. Let's not do that. I can't imagine good news breaking mm-hmm. at... Uh, no, <laughs> seven o'clock in the morning on St. Paddy's. We then. haven't had a. We haven't had. A, yeah, yeah, right. We haven't had a. Uh, you know, trade the night before opening day yet. No, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we uh, we do this every year. This show, sometimes, like John said, it becomes two shows. We yeah, try to keep it to yeah, one show this time. We have we'll, we'll we have tried we have tried to make it shorter and shorter and shorter. Yeah, well, sort of. Uh, it's over unders, and uh, just to give the. Uh, the same intro, basically, I give every year because I know not everyone is a, a degenerate gambler, gambler yeah. like uh, the two of us. Every year, uh, Las Vegas, let's call it. It's not really. It's you know, sounds silly now, but it's sports books, right? Which are now not even all located right, in right. Las Vegas, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, they they put one of their season long bets, which are called the futures bets, that you can place, is the win total for each major league team. And the way it works is super easy. And I know when people hear over-under, they get like all confused. I go through this every year with my girlfriend. I'll <laughs> be like, the Packers over-under is 10 and a half. Now, what does that mean? And I'm like, what do you think it means? But I'm going to explain it. Uh, we, they, every team's going to play 162 games this year. Knock on wood. I should say that because three exactly, years ago. Exactly, right, yeah. Uh, and last year it was in some doubt too, right, I guess. Yeah. And all the over-under is... For instance, they might say the over-under for, let's pick a National League team, the Arizona Diamondbacks is a 77 and a half. Two things to know there. One, the reason every over-under we're going to go over today has a half, half in it right. is to avoid ties. Right. Because Vegas doesn't want to take your money in March and sit on it through October and then just refund it. Right. And the person who doesn't want to do that right. either, that's no fun. You know, sister kissing and all that oh. stuff. Uh, and then the other thing is, all you have to do is, is it over or under that yeah, total? There's right. nothing more complicated. That's right. We're, we're going to make it seem complicated because we're going to give all these reasons that we, <laughs> right. we've looked up. And strategies. Yeah, and strategies and different. Sure. Believe me. We don't know. Because here's, if we were really <laughs> that good at it. look at our results. We yeah. Now, I will know. say, last year, our results were horrendous. Yes. And I felt last year. It's possible we just had a bad year. Right. I mean, that tends to happen. But I felt we didn't put as much, this is going to sound silly, time and energy <laughs> and effort into going over the non-AL Central teams. Like, we just kind of, it was a crazy offseason with the lockout sure. and everything. And then pe- stuff just started rolling. And we just sort of sat down and said, I don't know, what do you like, over under on this? Because I will say, the previous, like, five years, because we, what we do is... John's going to write all these down, yes. and obviously we have a recorded record of it. Right. And then at, once the regular season is over, we're going to go back over these numbers, and we'll just say what our record was. We're not yep. trying to run from right. it, although I would have liked to have run from it last year. <laughs> but the previous five years, we were consistently pretty good. Pretty good. 
Uh, I had some real like great years a where years we had a couple both had some really yeah. good years. Yeah, the the we use this as a way to sort of give a season preview of the entire yes. American That's League. That's the real point. Is, is of the real show point is, of the show. We're going to go through all three American League divisions. and We're going to talk at least a little bit about each team and their strengths and weaknesses and what's changed what and how we see them. Season That's the real goal of this show. Now we've packaged it in a uh, fun gambling component because <laughs> we both like to do that. But yeah, yeah, it, it started. I don't know if it started, but one of the reasons we we like to do this every year, first of all, it's a real easy show to do, and we're always looking <laughs> for that. But we we used to argue. I think the Detroit Tigers, Tigers was the, was the of like one. the this is for year one. Yeah, like the prime Tigers, like the Verlander, Miguel Cabrera, Scherzer was on that team, right. like Placido Polanco, like the World Series Tigers teams, right. and. One of us would come in and we'd be going over the AL Central, like our predictions and stuff. And one of us would go, "Man, I'm really low on the Tigers. I just think they're they're <laughs> right. bound to fall apart. They're getting old." Blah blah. blah. And the other one would go, "I don't know. I'm I'm pretty high on the Tigers. Right. Like I really <laughs> disagree with you." And then we'd talk for 40 minutes about the Tigers <laughs> and, and argue about it. Yeah, and <laughs> right. argue. Oh, you're so stupid. Like this. <laughs> this is what John would say to me. You're so stupid. He call me names. You guys know That's how it works know. with John. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then at the end, I would say, okay, all right, forget it, forget it. What's your predicted win total for the Tigers? And John would go, I don't know, 92 wins? And I'd go, well, that was my, that was, I was going to say 91. <laughs> and we'd go, well, this could all right. been saved yeah, if we right. had an over-under that we had to pick. Right. Uh, and so that's sort of the, the impetus of this. So that's, that's how most of the show is going to work. Before we get to that, let's cover just a few. There hasn't been a ton of big Twins news. Uh, other than you know the usual injury updates and stuff, but we've gone. I mean, if you we are in the point where spring training. We, we should mention last time we were, did this, I was still in spring training. I just gotten back to yeah. spring training. He's, he's uh, here now, we're, now. Now we're both here in uh, Minneapolis. Yeah, uh, yeah. There hasn't been a lot of big moves because we're kind of in the uh, Groundhog Day yeah. time of spring training, and because you know WPC has been going on. So right. as they get, although they're the Puerto Rican players are still going, right? Uh, Most of them as they get, right? Yeah. <laughs> We we by the way we, when we make our over under picks we reserve the right let's call it the Edwin Diaz clause where if like one of these teams we pick over and then they lose their best player mm-hmm. to an injury in the WBC or something we maybe we'll revise our picks but um, yeah the the Twins are heavy on the Puerto Rican team although not as heavy as they could have been because right. Miranda and Correa aren't on there uh, but they're still going so some of the WBC guys are going to be coming back. Uh, but they're still without, you know, Christian Vasquez and Emilio Pagan and, and guys like that. So and and there were, haven't been a lot of cuts because right there's fewer people. Yeah, in they camp. they had some injuries. They had a lot of people in the WBC, and they had a split squad game up until through Tuesday. So after basically after right. ten, they they didn't want to lose any people before that. The so. one cut that most of their cuts so far have been injury related, and that means yes. you know Jordan Balazovic's got the broken jaw, and Austin Martin has an elbow injury, and Michael Hellman has a hamstring, and those guys have been sent down to the minors once it became clear that they weren't going to play in major league games the rest of camp just because they were hurt. There's been a couple, like Simeon Woods Richardson was optioned to AAA. Right. And then most recently, uh, Edward Julian was optioned to AAA. And those have really been the, and Brent Hedrick also got yep. uh, sent yep. to AAA. Those have really been the only non-injury uh, cuts so far. But I do think, yeah, probably by Monday, I would certainly expect them to make one more round. I would of, think so. Like a Because rel- they still have 50-something players. They got to right. get down to 26. So right. yeah. uh, the Ed Julian thing, we did, we discussed a lot on the Patreon two days ago on the Patreon podcast. So if you want a nice half-hour discussion of not only Ed Julian, but Brooks Lee and some of the other 
close to the majors prospects, how they've looked in camp, and also what their ETA for a potential call-up or how they fit into this year's plans, go to uh, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Gleeman. That's the type of stuff we discuss for a half hour on the Patreon (laughs) and six minutes minutes here. here. So, But, yeah, Ed Julian, who's not even – he might be back in camp now because Canada's eliminated, but – uh, he uh, put on quite a show in the WBC. Yes, he did. He got on base over half the time in the WBC. As he did in uh, the Arizona Fall right. last fall. Yeah. Uh, and he had a couple of homers. He had a couple of doubles. He drew a ton of walks. He hit like 450. Uh, I think he had like an 1,800 OPS or something like that, which for people who are not into uh, stats, right. it's really good. Uh, <laughs> it's like double what good would be. Like a 900 <laughs> yeah, would right. be great. Double what all-star is. Yeah, right? yeah right. double all-star, they call that. <laughs> yeah, which is, uh, yeah, hard to do. Now, you know, it was, I don't know, seven games or something like that. But he, he looked great. He was the second baseman and leadoff man for Team Canada, which had a few major leaguers on it, including Freddie Freeman. Um, and, you know, he was – we talked to him like – I talked to him – Betsy and I, Betsy Helfen from the Pioneer Press, talked to him like one of the first days of camp. And he, and I wrote a feature on him for The Athletic, hopefully people read, but he talked about basically he had already been in Fort Myers at that point Mm -hmm. for like three weeks, four weeks. And he got there. He joked he got there because he's from Quebec and he just wanted (laughs) to see sunlight. (laughs) Right, yeah, exactly. Uh, But basically he got there because he wanted to see as much live pitching as he could. Uh, you know, live batting practice or simulated games and stuff because he he knew he was going to the WBC and he right. didn't want to – he wanted to kind of be already warmed up for that. And so he got a ton of at-bats early on for the Twins in the Major League games because they knew he was going to be leaving. He had a couple homers against the Braves at a game yep. I was at, yep. a couple of long homers to yes, right center yep. um, off Major Leaguers, and just generally looked good. I thought he looked competent at second base. Not not great at second base, but there were no plays at second base that I saw for the. I don't know. I think I saw him four games, five games maybe, where I was like, "Ooh, that's a that's a play a second baseman right, should right. make." Uh, and he he was impressive. And you know, Baldelli talked a lot about him because we kept asking about him, and Correa talked a lot about him. <laughs> right, yeah. And then to go to the WBC and the worry there and hit, is and hit lead off <laughs> and hit lead off right. and and against a lot of major league right. pitching against some real good teams. Yep. And Freddie Freeman pitting number two and him batting right. number one. Right? I mean, yeah. yeah. And the fear, not the fear, but the the downside to that is, as Baldelli talked about one of the days right before he left, he was like, look, I'd love to. He looks great. I like him as a person and as a player, and he's going to be a part of our future, and I would kind of like it if he was in camp the whole time. <laughs> right. But and, and Julian kind of thought that, and, too. Yeah, Julian <laughs> was like, oh, okay, well. But, he, I mean, the WBC, and we're seeing the this – Kind of revealed in the uh, the the rush to have the hottest of hot takes about Edwin Diaz's injury and <laughs> they should never play it again and all <laughs> the WBC means really a lot to a lot of people inside players but also fans. It just so happens that those people don't live in the United States. Most of those people are not <laughs> Team right. America, right? And I think Americans especially, and I'm guilty of this too in just everyday life, Americans especially have a hard time contextualizing things right. like that. Yep. It's, for instance, the World Cup for soccer right. is the same deal. And I'm not saying the WBC is on the level of the World Cup, but you no. can't get to anywhere near that level if it doesn't start at the level it's at now. Right. And Americans have a really tough time with 
being able to see, well, we're not really that into this thing, but everyone else is super into this right, thing, right. and that makes it important. <laughs> and so you see the hottest of hot takes after the Edwin Diaz injury, which, by the way, it sucks. Like, right. it sucks for him. It sucks for the Mets. It sucks for Puerto Rico. It sucks for the WBC. It right. sucks for everyone. It's terrible. Right. It's one of the best pitchers in baseball, a needless, you know, weird yeah. fluke injury right. that's going to cost him a whole season. It sucks. So nobody's saying otherwise. But the idea of... Edwin Diaz is the closer for the Mets. Yes, Mets and for Puerto Rico. And, and for Puerto Rico, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he hurt, got hurt celebrating, although barely... Like, after, he wasn't after, really, after getting the save. Yes, he saved. He beat the Dominican right. team, which to, was to clinch huge, a spot like in just a playoffs. huge game. Right. Like yeah. had, not even kidding, World Series Game 7 vibes right. in the ballpark, right. it sounded like. Uh, and then did a what was a fairly light celebration. It's yep. not like they dogpiled them. Jumping, and, on down, jumping yeah, up and down on the mound. And uh, tore his knee. Like yeah. is it's it for the oh for the whole season. So the takes from that, mostly by American uh, newspaper columnists <laughs> and, 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 and podcast New York, hosts, and New York Mets fans. Well, Mets fans, which I understand. I mean, it's, <laughs> right. that would be very frustrating. Yeah. Obviously, is uh, well, they should never play WBC, and this is why no one cares about it. But it's it all those ignore the idea. Like I saw the um, Japan China game from a couple nights ago. Fifty yeah. percent, almost. Of all televisions in both Japan and China, which, by the way, are like two of the t- biggest 10 right. countries yeah, in the course, world, right. Yeah, right. Uh, were tuned to that game. It was yeah. like Super Bowl-type ratings, right. basically, for, the, for those two massive countries. Not to mention, you know, other people. I watched some of it, too. And, you know, to, to look at the ballpark when it's Dominican-Venezuela or Dominican-Puerto right. Rico uh, and these type of matchups and to see just the level of like hype involved in that that i i I get why you know some person living in minnesota (laughs) goes like well who who cares right like i don't want twins player i'm glad correa opted out i'm glad miranda (laughs) opted out i'm glad duran wasn't the closer for dominican and hurt himself like that and i get all that but i think we have to at least have our ears open when play like I saw a clip uh, from before that game of Eduardo Escobar, former twin, and right. a couple other players uh, on the Venezuelan Venezuela, team Venezuela, yeah. saying, "Somebody said like, would you rather win the the WBC or the World Series?" Uh-huh. And they were like, "Man, that's a tough question." <laughs> and I just and some of them said like WBC, like right. I'd rather yeah, win that right. it would mean more yeah. to me and my country and my family. And I just thought the fact that that's a even a question, question right yeah. is. Like will blow the minds of Americans, <laughs> and and so and I'm that way too. Like I'm into the WBC. I watch it every every time, but it just it doesn't resonate with me in the same way that it clearly does to even like Canadians or right. Mexicans who are not. They have no chance to win, let alone Dominicans and Venezuelans and Puerto Ricans and you know Japanese right. who are going to go crazy for something that they could actually win. So I don't know. That was kind of my takeaway from the Edwin Diaz thing. Is it, it's terrible. And it's it sucks that it's gonna you know be a, a black cloud over this event, right? Which has otherwise gone great. Um, but I do think it's interesting to just be like, I saw so many people, and it's on Twitter, obviously, but just being like, <laughs> this is why the WB is so stupid. And it's like, yeah, I, I get it. It's it's terrible, but there are a lot of people, yeah, 
who care about this I mean, thing the, the a tr- lot. The tricky part about the WPC is the logistics of it are just so weird. You know that you've got to be doing yes. it in spring training, and of people course. are still trying to realistically get, get up to the get, best thing would be what the NHL used to do, or maybe still does, which is take like a midseason pause for the for Olympics, Olympics or whatever or it is. Like, yeah. like if you did this in July, and let's say they just skipped the All Star break one year, right. and did this over ten days in in July or whatever it is, I think yeah that would be. But then somebody gets hurt, and you're literally in the season, and it's like, well, that's right. terrible or whatever. But it like. It's funny, though, to hear people say, well, you know, he got hurt in a meaningless exhibition game. <laughs> and it really, you can kind of. I mean, it is a meaningless exhibition right. game for those people who are Major League Baseball fans, but not necessarily right. for those people and who are funny, baseball like, fans. If you peel back right. the layer of that onion, the what's meaningful and what isn't in the world of sports <laughs> or baseball, <laughs> right. Right. You, you're not going to like the final peel, <laughs> like what right. it's going to reveal. Right. Yeah. Because... It's all meaningless. <laughs> like, right. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it only had something. The World Series or the Super Bowl is a great example. The Super Bowl, when it started, nobody, I mean, it's, right. it was a completely different situation than now. Right. But we've turned it into this massive thing. And the World Series obviously is the same way. And that's just based on tradition. Well, the WBC hasn't had a tra- chance to establish this tradition. It's right. the, what, yeah. I don't know, the fifth time or whatever it is. Like things only have meaning if you give them meaning. Right, that's right. And, yeah, well, and right. a lot of times that takes repetition and it takes tradition and history and all that sure. stuff. And I'm not saying 50 years from now the WBC is going to be as big as the World Series or the, the World Cup or really I'm not saying anything along those lines. It might not even exist. It has logistical problems. Right. No question about but that. But the idea that, oh my God, the Mets have lost one of their best pitchers in a meaningless exhibition game and now he won't be available to pitch, uh, let's say, May 18th. Against the Arizona Diamondbacks right. uh, in front of, uh, you know, 21,000 people in a game that probably won't matter. The Mets are going to make the playoffs anyway. Right, right. What's the difference? And it's like, well, those are meaningful. This one's right. not meaningful. There are probably more people who care passionately about, truly passionately. <laughs> about, about losing it for Team Puerto Rico right. than losing for the and Mets. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's all I'm at. I'm trying to be, in my old age now, I'm trying to be more aware of kind of my... The lens through which I view things and is not the only lens. Yeah. And the, the paradigm? No, I don't use that word. I heard somebody <laughs> use that word the other day and I go, Jesus bonus. <laughs> but but the like I just mean, you know, I'm watching uh, Japan, China, and I'm like, it's a good game. Like there's some interesting players here and the talent level's pretty good and everyone and then I'm looking at the crowd and the crowd is just living or dying. Right. And I think to myself, yeah, I've been in that spot. I remember when I had, uh, you know, when I was a teenager and I went to go for basketball games. Sure. And they were playing, uh, you know, Iowa at the barn, right. and I was hyped up. And if I could have taken a step back from that, I would have thought, well, this is funny. Right? <laughs> right. This is a team competing with another team to be fourth in the Big Ten. Well, it's also, but it, things only matter if you give them meaning, and right. they can only gain that meeting if they have room to kind of breathe you know what i mean like i mean america has been the home of baseball it is as, right. as, base, as american as baseball yeah. you know is, is a cliche right yeah. and you think about how we have reacted to other sports in which we are not necessarily right top of the mountain the uh 80 1980 uh hockey team right right we went nuts as a country. We went berserk. Yeah, people about are that. still obsessed with that game. That was that was also you know a meaningless game in the you know but because we weren't king of the hill, 
Canada was king of the hill. Russia was king of the right. hill. Ever, you know, we were never in that role. That game meant a lot to us to to right. win that to win that tournament. And you feels the same way about if you're not. You know, the, I think Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico feel the same way about that. Like yes. that, and Japan and right. Venezuela. And right. I mean, I think right. I've never been there, so I'm talking a little bit out of my ass here. But I mean, baseball is almost every bit as oh, for uh, sure, beloved in Japan certainly as it is, and you know, per capita, right? Uh, Venezuela and Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico produce an incredible number of major league players, an right. incredible number of star players, and it's in so ingrained in the culture to the point that if you're in the Dominican and you're 13 years old and you're a great baseball player, it's a way for your family to rise up. Sure. Uh, and yeah, we've right. seen guys sign at 15, 16 years old. So it might be bigger in those countries than it is in America in terms of, uh, yeah, in terms of like per capita sort of right. interest. And then the so. other thing is, what do we hear about baseball? Baseball's dying. Baseball's got an old fan base. Right. Yeah. Baseball's boring. Baseball's losing people, and then it's like, oh, there's a game, a quote unquote, meaningless exhibition game going on uh, in Miami now. People are like screaming their lungs out in the first inning, right? And uh, and, and this is the one way you kind of grow it internationally. Yes. Like this is the one way they really kind of do that. Yeah, so. and I mean, I've heard from players and seen players interviewed, like from Netherlands or you know Israel and right. stuff like that, where it's like, oh yeah, you know, twelve years ago in one of the first WBCs. You know, I was a kid and I watched so and so play for Israel, and it's you know they got blown out or whatever, and it's like oh I thought oh I could I could play baseball, right? And I don't know that that to me is so much at my advanced age, like I say, <laughs> eighty five years old, um, and not till next week I turn eighty five next yeah. week. At my that's so much more like interesting or fulfilling to me in the big picture of like does this get more people worldwide into baseball, passionately into baseball, and cause more great athletes from other countries to choose baseball as their path? And ultimately, that's amazing. Because yes. I remember we talked about this like when Ichiro first came over from Japan. Right. The idea of that opens up just everyone's eyes to such a world, right? like literally and figuratively. And then I started obsessing about well, what other players have we not been able to watch right. uh, in the major leagues just because there was this you know skepticism surrounding them and how many great Japanese players or Korean players or you know Cuban players before they were easily allowed to come over and all that stuff. So I don't know. I don't know why I'm ranting about this other than we started talking about Ed Julian. Um, <laughs> Who, by the way, uh, just to wrap that up with a bow, uh -huh. Ed Julian uh, he was going to go down. He was always going to be sent yeah. to AAA. That's that know, was the, that's the that's the short of it and it doesn't mean that we won't see him fairly early in the season at some point yeah. you know if he ends up tearing it up there the way he's been tearing it up seemingly for the last two years at every stop he's been at yes uh yeah and you know an opportunity presents itself and there's opportunities in the twins infield first base and looks like maybe first base <laughs> and uh dh, DH yeah. yeah so or there's going to be injuries i mean right. yeah he he has been not just good right but you know MVP of the league or the environment right. level good at low A, high A, double A for a full season. The Arizona Fall League, where he literally led the Arizona Fall League in OPS, and then the World WBC now, where he had a you know two thousand OPS or something. And he's been good in spring training too, with so a couple of homers. So get so. over to St. Paul and watch him while you can. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, like you said, he was get a jump on it. He there was nothing he could do in camp 
other than watch right. many other players get injured, let's say, yeah. which I would have not liked to see him do. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. He's walking around with just like a nightstick, <laughs> decapping people all over the place. There was nothing. The bit. <laughs> yeah. There was nothing he could have done to change this as an outcome. Now, the timing of it might have been a little different if he hadn't gone to WBC or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, I think with, with him. The biggest question on him is sort of where he's going to play defensively. Right. Where can they get his bat in the The lineup? question is whether or not he can stick at second base. That seems to be right. sort of the But I don't even think that. Concern. Here's the thing. When, and I, then we'll get to the over-unders, but in what circumstance, for more than like just, you know, three weeks or something, because who knows if there's a bunch of injuries, you just need whoever can fill in. But in what circumstance, I'm having a hard time finding a circumstance where he's needed as the everyday second baseman for a long stretch of time, whether this year or in future years. Just I feel like, A, yeah. they have Jorge Polanco, and even if Jorge Polanco's hurt, I don't necessarily know that Ed Julian playing five days a week at second base would be their solution to that. Now, it could be, but by the time you know the second half rolls around, yeah. you're going to have Royce Lewis, you might have Austin Martin, you're going to have Brooks Lee in the mix. I mean, they just have other players, who I think, who could – I don't know, feasibly play that, not to mention, you know, Kyle, the Kyle Farmer, Farmers right. and the Nick Gordons and all that. I just Donovan Solano. It it will right, Donovan Solano. It will help it would help Ed Julian if he was viewed as a palatable, you know, passable, average ish second right. baseman, for sure. I mean, I'm not saying he won't play there. I just I don't know if they envision him ever being like well, put it this way, like baseball reference has a page you can look back at the the primary player at every position for the twins over 70 years or 60 years and it's i think kind of a fun exercise to like look back and you see like okay chuck knoblock had second base for eight years and then it went to this guy and then this guy had it for three years and then they alternated it it kind of shows the progression of a position i don't know that they envision in their heads you know eddie julian back-to-back years at second base as the primary second baseman now if you could do that with that bat you're talking about a Potentially great player. The other very quick Twins news, Byron Buxton played in a minor league game yesterday on the backfields, which is not that much different from the live batting practice he's been taking, which we've discussed now on a couple of episodes, but it's you know a half step forward right? in terms of when you're going to be able to see him in a major league spring training game. I don't know. I think this would indicate he's close. Yeah, I mean, but if they don't think that's important, then he could just keep playing in minor league games. I don't know. Uh, And then... Nick Gordon's fine. He's back yep. to playing with the ankle sprain is proved to be minor. Jose Miranda continues to DH and play, but sounds like the shoulder is progressing in a way that relatively soon he'll be able to play third base. Uh, and that was just about it. I think uh, let's talk Did we about talk our, about Kirloff last time? Maybe on the Patreon. Yeah, I don't uh, think we've talked about it. Yeah. I mean, the, that's the one con- okay. p- concerning piece of news is, you know, what what they said was Polanco and Buxton are both on schedule. For on, on their ske- No, what they said was on their schedule. And then somebody right. clarified, like, does their schedule mean that they're going to be ready by opening day? And the answer was yes. And Kirilov is behind, a little bit behind where they want him to be to the point where he's not getting quite as much live BP as he was. He's getting more batting cage uh, work. Uh, it's not totally clear he's going to be on the opening day. Yeah, I, I no longer. I mean, first of all, if you go back and listen to a month ago, we were kind of fifty fifty on that. In part because the right. twins seemed fifty fifty on that. Uh, you know, his is I would say different than Buxton and even Polanco in that those guys are by all accounts healthy. 
Now, right. what that means for them, given their recent and career-long injury uh, track record, is you know what does healthy mean for Byron Buxton? But what I mean is he had relatively minor knee surgery in September, and it's now March. Right. They're not holding him back necessarily because he's limited by the actual knee itself. They're holding him back just because why wouldn't we hold them they, back? They want to leave some tread on the tires right. for, the, for opening day. Right? Whereas with Kirilov, who's now had back-to-back seasons ended by wrist surgery, including a very significant surgery the last time, which happened in the middle of last season, where they shaved down the bone right. uh, in his wrist and to allow the ligaments more room and all that stuff. I think he's still kind of trying to get used to how his wrist feels and strength and flexibility and all that stuff. Now for two years he's been working with. And I'm not saying he's not, you know, healthy-ish, but it seems different than, you know, if you needed Byron Buxton to go play a major league game today, he could definitely do it. And I don't know that you would look at him and say, that's an injured guy. Whereas with Kirilov, he could do it. But it might be what we saw at times over the last couple of years with Kirilov, which was when he his wrist was killing him and he would try to play through it. He can put the ball in play and he can, you know, have the occasional single that'll drive in a run. Right. But it's a lot of just weak ground balls and he just had trouble driving the ball. And I don't think they feel confident that he's at that point yet. Now, maybe he never gets to that point. That was always the fear with this situation. Right. But maybe it just takes he needs an extra three weeks. Uh, to get to that point. Now, I would think it seem I'm skeptical of the notion that someone could have wrist surgery in whenever he had it. I don't know, June? Yeah, something whatever. Like that. No, yeah. it was later than that, maybe July, summertime, whatever, and need an extra three weeks in March. But it's not impossible to me. Sure. And again, it's it's like, well, what are you really risking? This kind of goes back to the WBC discussion right. of what's meaningful and what's not. Those games in April count just as much as games in September. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's the difference between having Kirilov at 95% for most of the season and 85% for most of the season, then, yeah, giving a few more at-bats to uh, Donovan Solano and Trevor Larnick early on is, is probably not the end of the world. So that's really, I don't know, twins news-wise – where we're at, obviously, anything happens during the week, and he's you know one of those guys plays in a game and hits uh, three homers, or there's right. an injury, or some roster cuts that we aren't expecting. We'll hop on the the Patreon side and discuss it before we get to the over unders, though. Speaking of opening day, mm-hmm. yeah, John's throwing a party. We're on throwing a party day. on opening day. The, the Twins Daily is throwing a party on opening day. Twins Daily Social Club. The Twins Daily Social Club, it's which true. I like because, as I said to John. That can be a very large umbrella. That can be <laughs> a Scrabble tournament. That could be an orgy. That could be a beer tasting. It could be anything in between. The so let me tell you what this one is. It's not the orgy and it's not a Scrabble club. It is a meat raffle, though. Well, okay. We got a meat raffle. So uh, basically, you show up at uh, Forgotten Star on opening day, 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock, which is when the Twins play. So you're going to have to arrange somebody to pick up the kids from school, and you're going to have to uh, you know, get out of work a little early, maybe bring your coworkers. You show up, you get a free beer. Free for beer for Forgotten Star. We're going to have a meat raffle. We're going to have basically giveaways all nine innings. Those those things include some prime steaks and includes uh, big gift cards to Forgotten Star. And well, I think we might be doing a uh, a mixer involving baseball cards. We'll see if I can get, get my crap okay. together enough in time. John Bonas autographs are always available. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and we just watched the Twins beat up on the Royals. Yes. Uh, it's uh, March their, 30th. They're in Kansas City to start the season. Thursday, right. March 30th. Forgotten Star. Tell people where uh, Forgotten Star. 
Star. Forgotten Star is in Fridley. I mean, it's really kind of northeast Minneapolis. It's like 15 are, minutes from downtown. That's 15 minutes. Uh, it's uh, right along the train tracks near East River Road and 49th Avenue Northeast. Uh, you'll <laughs> you'll uh, be impressed with the facility. Let's say that. It is a gorgeous old World War II production factory. They used to make ba- uh, guns for battleships. For the good guys, I <laughs> always <laughs> like to point out. That's right. the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The whole Forgotten Star piece is that they used to give blue stars for excellence and quality or something the Army did for those years. And Forgotten Star had like six of them, something like that. The only other... A facility that is still around and in use that got that many stars is General Motors. Yeah, and <laughs> so, they wouldn't host them. <laughs> they, 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 we tried to talk to yeah. them too, and we to go to Detroit. Yeah, so <laughs> you're at Forgotten Stars. So yes, the, there's nothing you have to do to sign up, right? No, you, you just, just show, show up. up Thursday, March 30th, three to six. Show up, Forgotten check in, Star. check in. You'll get your free beer ticket. You'll get your raffle tickets for the meat raffle and such. You and, watch opening day with John. Yep, and, uh, and whoever else. Forgotten Star, great place. American Beer Festival winners. Uh, 12 different beers on tap, 10 different beers on tap. Something John's like there all the time. Yeah, it's a great time. Great place. John was going to be there opening day anyway, so he decided to throw a party around himself <laughs> being there. Uh, the, the other thing about opening day is... is you're going to be doing your fantasy baseball drafts yep. between now and opening day. You might have 50 of them. It is panic mode time for yeah, fantasy yeah. baseball owners. Right you, can, you can use Rotowire, which John and I have both been uh, customers of right. for years before they even became a sponsor. Right. And Rotowire is offering a totally free, and when I say totally free, they don't even ask for your credit card. It's totally right. free uh, trial right. of their site. You can sign up by going to rotowire.com slash Gleeman. And if you want to during the free trial, you can use it to draft a yeah. hundred fantasy leagues. Yeah. And then you can just stop the trial right. and never pay a cent and have accomplished everything you need to accomplish for your fantasy leagues. But you'll want to pay a cent. Yeah. Well that's what they're confident <laughs> with. Right, is, yeah. And I agree with them, which is the, the the website and the product that they offer not only for drafting fantasy leagues, which they after, you know, customizable cheat sheets and very up to the date injury information and rankings. Right. It's not you didn't buy a magazine off the shelf that was exactly sent to the printer right. in December. Right. And you know they're going to have an Edwin Diaz update this morning yeah. uh, and change his ranking. And you so can even, you can even import your league yeah, into settings, it, yeah. you're into RotoWire, and RotoWire will analyze your league and tell you you know which which players you should pick up, uh, where you would where they project your team to finish. They're also the people who provide player news blurbs that you see on Yahoo and ESPN and all the big sites like that. So rotowire.com slash Gleeman. You go sign up. You get a free trial. You can either just you know look around the site, right. look up you know all their player news blurbs, look up their articles <laughs> right. that they have, or you can just use the site to help you draft as many teams as you want. Right. And then at the end of that, totally free trial. If you don't want to keep paying for it, you don't have to. But they're confident, and we're pretty confident that it'll be a worthwhile thing. So rotowire.com. Slash Gleeman. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about the AL Central first. Uh, should we start from the bottom or the top? I think bottom. From the bottom. I think we should start from the bottom. Okay. Now the other thing we like to do here, I should have said this at the beginning, uh, but I was too busy ranting about the WBC for some reason. <laughs> uh, the another thing we like to do is I look up. We use Bavada. As our just for the sake of uh, right. consistency, we've been right. using it for ten years to get the actual over under figures. Um, I cross checked them with you know Bet MGM, and they're within a one game okay. either way, okay. pretty much for every team. But I don't tell John what they are. Like I don't tell John, you know, what's the Twins over under? Right. John likes to on his own 
guess what try to what fi- Vegas is going to figure out is. what he thinks the over under should be or w- would be, right. and then kind of use that to inform his pick. Because right. if he has a team, if I say to him, John, you know, what do you think the Baltimore Orioles over under is? And he goes, Well, I've been looking at the roster. I think it should be ninety. And I say to him, John, the over-under is 54. Right. Well, he should probably take the over on that if he right. feels that way. So that's another component of this. So we're going to have John guess what the actual over-under is on these teams, and then I'll tell him what they are, and then we'll we'll make our picks. And then the, the last thing I'll say is we're going to make a pick for all 15 American League teams. We'll each pick over-under for them. But two teams per division, we kind of – we call it – we bet on it. Is right, what we. Right. It's like a right. pick with emphasis. That's right. These are the two we feel yeah. strong. Listen, we'll, we'll give our best guess on over unders yeah. on all the rest of them. But there's two of them we would actually yeah. like say. Here's if you're going to bet money on them, these are the ones two you really care about. That's right. Okay. So the bottom of the American League Central, I put. I went. I thought it was going to be the Royals. Okay. Is it going to be the Tigers? Uh, well, you're right. Both Royals. both are the tied. They're tied. I had them within a game of each yeah. other. So. And this is how it was Which last year. So last me? year, the Royals won 65 games. Right. And the Tigers won 66 games. They were both you know, very, very bad teams. And uh, Pythagorean, we yes, should mention. which is the expected. What, what your record would be based on their run differential, essentially. Right. Runs scored and runs allowed will produce a record uh, that is more predictive a year later yes, than right. the actual record. In other words, let's say a team won 90 games but they were outscored by five runs in doing so. Using the runs scored and runs allowed to say they were an 80-win team instead of a 90-win team is more More predictive, predictive, uh, has more correlation to the next year's record. And so John always looks that up. Yeah, so the Pythagorean, Detroit won 66. Pythagorean was 63. Yeah. So the expected record was 63. Kansas City won 65. 64 was their expected. So they were legitimately pretty pretty close. Legitimately bad. Uh, So they're tied... For the over-under. So you only have to get this right once, John, and you get credit for both. Well, I gave them slightly different numbers. Uh, You're already wrong. If I, if I know. I was going to say. You've already my, screwed up. My guess is they were both tied at 67 and a half. Close. 69 and a half. Okay. So, yeah, two run, two, okay. two away. Uh, they were both at 69 and a half. That was a little higher than I, than I thought. Although, one other thing we talk about every year is it's hard to have extreme over-unders either way. Right. Because... Because you want to get money on both sides. Right. Of that. <laughs> they want to get money on both sides. And that's really... You know, these are sort of projections in a way. Right. But especially for teams like the Yankees that have a huge fan base, you see the same thing with the Lakers and the Cowboys and stuff. Their point spreads or their over-unders tend to be inflated one way or the other because fans are passionate and they have to... The goal of a... Sports book, the way they make money is by getting as close to 50% of the bets on each side as possible. Because if you get literally, like if you're right. taking bets for the Super Bowl. Because you're always betting 11 to win 10. Right. right. When you lose, you pay, typically, you pay a 10%, what's called a VIG. Right. So if I bet $100 and I win, I get $100 plus my money back. If I bet $100 and I lose, I actually lose $110. And so if you do the math on that, if they can get 50% of the action on each side equally, if 50% of the people take uh, over and 50% of the people take under, they win the 10%. Well, they win 5%. 5%, Right. right. They win the 10% 10 of the losses, which ends up. So that's the goal. And so it's not quite a prediction because they're not actually predicting 
you know, 69 what and a half what, wins. What they're doing is they're serving as a reflection of the community's perception per- yeah. perception of how that team is That's going to be. That's a better way to say it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so 69 and a half. Let's, uh, I mean, just a few things on here. So like l- last and, year. And they will move that number if they were wrong about how the community perceives well, right. it. If, if 95% of the money comes flowing in on under. Then they will, they will, yeah, they'll, they'll they will either move the number down. Change the right. number itself or just change the odds so right. that you're paying more than 10% right. of your loss right. on that, uh, which is common. So last year, Royals won 65 games. The two most prominent projection systems, which are Fangraphs and Baseball Prospectus, Fangraphs has them at 73 for this year. Okay. Baseball Prospectus, however, has them at 64. So oh, wow. The projections are no help. Wow. They're nine, di- nine wins different. Uh, Tigers are sort of similar, but not quite as extreme. They won 66 games last year. Fangraphs has them at 72. Okay. Baseball Prospectus has them at 66. Uh, <laughs> and so, what did they do? Did either of them do anything in the offseason? Well, really? they both fired their front office. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know uh, that. The Tigers fired their front office and brought in a guy from the Giants and are kind of revamping the analytics department. A little similar to where the Twins were in 2017, right. I would say. Right. Got rid of a very old school front office and are trying to kind of get new school with it. Whereas the Royals fired Dayton Moore, who'd been their GM for over 10 years, certainly. Right. might have been 15 years. I don't know. But they replaced him with his longtime right-hand man assistant. Huh. Uh, and so they're certainly sticking with the, I don't know, scouting-based approach that yeah. has become increasingly uh, rare, rare yeah. uh, in Major League Baseball. So, But in terms of like meaningful roster changes... Not really. I mean, I mean, most of the Royals' meaningful roster changes felt like happened midway through last year right. where they, they just started up. calling up the youngsters. Right. right. So the Royals, I mean, they had a guy, a pitcher, Brady Singer, really emerge as a frontline starter. He was on the WBC team, but, you know, an all-star starting pitcher type. But none of their other young starters, and they've been drafting guys pretty high and trading for guys, have really broken through yet. But he's legit. Right. Uh and then they had a bunch of, like you said, a bunch of position players. Bobby Witt Jr. was real impressive all season playing third and short for them. Uh, they had a catcher, MJ Melendez, who ended up playing left field and DH because they have Salvador Perez still at catcher, uh, who's very good. And then they have uh, Vinny Pasquantino, who was sort of a uh, just a minor league masher who put up such good numbers every year that they eventually just had to give him a chance. And he put up very good numbers in you know the second half of last season. He projects to be you know their best hitter overall. So they have some some guy, and Perez obviously is still a power threat. They have some guys who can hit, and they have Brady Singer, who's a legit you know probably number two starter with some number one starter upside. I kind of feel like they always come up with a pretty decent bullpen or at least two or three late inning relievers, uh, the Scott Barlow types of the world right. that give the Twins uh, some trouble. But they've had a lot of trouble developing, well, they had, and they had a l- lots of problems with their bullpen last year. Too. Right. That was one of the one of the downfalls of that right. team. They've had a lot of trouble developing starting pitching. They've had a lot of trouble developing kind of a next core. Although, as we said, it's possible that they had to do kind of two rebuilds to get right. to that next core. Uh, but I don't know. I look at this team and I'm like, they might hit okay. They got a couple of pretty good pitchers, but the depth just isn't there. I mean, if if this was the Twins pitching staff, we'd be right. throwing a fit about how little they've done. Um, so yeah, uh, the 
to Tigers, just to treat them similarly, I guess, again, uh, new front office, same manager, A.J. Hinch. Uh, they're basically, their rebuild flopped. Right. They had the number one pick well, twice. They thought, they thought they were at the point where they were going to be all in to the point where they went out and signed Javi Baez, Javi Baez and, and Eduardo Rodriguez yeah, exactly. last offseason. Uh, they had the number one pick twice. Casey Mize looked okay and then blew out his elbow and is going to miss the whole season. And then their their most recent number one pick, Spencer Torkelson, was supposed to be a you know ready-made, middle-of-the-lineup, college-slugging first baseman and uh, made a quick path to the majors and then hit like 150, yeah. got sent back down. Uh, you know, I'm not saying he's it's impossible he's going to be an impact player, but most of their, you know, Tarek Skubal, who looked really good, is now hurt. Yeah. Uh, lefty that they had, they traded away uh, Soto and Jimenez and yeah. a couple other relievers that actually they had a pretty decent bullpen the past couple of years. They traded those guys away. Now, like I said, it's new front office, all that stuff. It wouldn't be surprising if they try to trade away some more veterans this season. I feel like they they blew it up, obviously, from the Dave Dombrowski era. Uh, then they got all these high picks and some pretty good-looking prospects. And they kind of thought, all right, we're ready to go here. Let's spend a couple hundred million on Baez and Rodriguez and some other veteran guys. And then the team stunk. Yeah. The guys they signed were pretty bad. Yeah. A lot of their pitching got hurt, their young pitching. And then a lot of their hitting, just Torkelson and others, was like, yeah. oh, they're, they're not that good. I will say, I think, they have a guy, Riley Green, who played center field for them, who was yeah. a consensus top 20 prospect, who to me at least looked really good. Uh, as a rookie, he didn't have like amazing numbers, but it wouldn't be surprising if he's you know their next kind of building block guy. Uh, but they did nothing this offseason, yeah, other than right. the front office stuff. I mean, so it it in both situations it felt like the new front office, quote unquote, new front office for the Royals, but the new front office for Detroit was sort of like let's just play this out for a year and Which see is what we see. What and the then Twins we'll did, we're gonna do. yeah, kind right. of in yep, twenty seventeen. Yeah, I mean they they didn't fire the manager. Right. They they. Signed Jason Castro, and that was basically and they, it. They planned on doing a lot of uh, uh, sell at the deadline. Then they thought they had to do a buy at the deadline. Then That's they true, did a yeah. sell at the deadline. Right. <laughs> you know, it was so. Those two teams, you know, these, this is why over unders are difficult, right? We everyone's going to look at this division and say, well, those are the two worst teams in the division, right? They're probably two of the, I don't know, three or four worst teams in the American League. I would say they have been for a while. Right. They were last season. There's no reason to expect some big breakout other than maybe if you're a believer in some of the, the hitters that we talked about with the Royals. But 69.5 is not a terrible team, and that's the point of over-unders. They're regressed to the mean. So it's like, right. okay, 70 wins, that is. That's 70 and 92. Right. Well, that's that's not a good team, but right. that's not like a disastrous right. You know, lost season type of team. Well, I mean, in the past, seventy and ninety two is like just a run of the mill bad team. But in the past, they were maybe they got to play the AL Central a little more than they get true. to in the past, and I mean, including each other That's true. a little bit more than they used to. I like the under on both of these teams. Yeah, uh, sixty nine and a half was more than I thought it was. I thought Seems it was 60, high to me. I thought sixty six and a half, sixty seven and a half is what I put. Right. It, that said, it's kind of difficult to have two sixty loss. There's 60 win teams in a yeah, in they a did division. It last year. They did last and year, yeah, right. A couple of times in the last oh, right. few yeah. years. So I think I would take the under on them. It does Both. seem weird, just in general, to have two te- before the season even starts to be like there are two legitimately really bad teams 
they're probably I would also take the under. So we're both saying they're gonna win, you know, fewer than seventy games. They're gonna lose ninety plus games, both. In the same division, as you said, but that's not impossible. But in the same division where I mean we'll get to this in a minute, but the teams at the top of the division are not projected to win a hundred games right, or anything. Right. Like if if this were the AL Central of, of years past and right. you're like, oh, there's two teams at the bottom, yeah, they're gonna get spanked around a lot by the Yankees and the you know, when the Red Sox were powerful and all that. But it's like are Cleveland, Minnesota, and Chicago in position to really beat up on them, particularly they're gonna play fewer games against them. Now right. that's also more games against uh well, it's not really more games against the East and the West. It's more games against the National League, basically. Right. Yeah, that's right. Which are going to end up being kind of close to 500, that portion of your schedule. But, yeah, I uh, I think the under on both two, I think it seems unlikely to me that they're both an under. Right. But individually, they both strike me as unders. Right. So I think yeah, if, the you, same way. if you did a parlay yeah, and it, I had to it, get it both. It could be that one of these teams is going to end up, but I don't know which team is going to end right. up. Seventy-five wins yeah, or so seventy-four under for both. Right? I just I don't think. I, listen, one of those teams is gonna, I, at the worst. I'm going to go fifty-fifty if I go uh, under on both of them. I feel like you yeah. know what I mean, and that's the worst case scenario. I think that's probably right. The, I'm not. If I do the over on both of them, I could lose both. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's right. I mean, I just don't see much upside. Right. Like, I, I don't think there's any chance that these are, like, the two one of the two surprise teams in the right. American League come the All-Star right. break or something. I just don't feel like they have enough pitching to do that, enough depth to do that. I mean, if we're wrong, it, it would make for an interesting division this season. Yes. So Okay, so we're both taking the under right. on both of those teams. Yep. Under 69 and a half. Uh, okay. Well, would you like to guess the third place? White Sox. Well, you're right, but not by much. No, you're, it's the same as uh, Tigers-Royals. It's a tie really? for really for second place, I guess. Well, that's got to be with the Twins. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So okay. Here, let me that, tell you this before is, we, my numbers were different on that. Before we get your your guesses on this, uh -huh. I looked a month ago, before I the day before I went to spring training. So that would have been February eighteenth, like literally almost a, exactly a month ago, uh, and I looked at the gambling odds for the AL Central in terms of win totals. And to win the division and also the projections, how were they projected? And I wrote a whole article about it. And then this week, I checked all the odds again because I knew we were going to do this episode. Right. And they've all changed dramatically. Huh. Especially, well, money, money has been coming in. Right, right. Especially on the sportsbook side. Like the projections have changed a little bit, but those don't change a ton. But like the, the over-unders, once an over-under gets set, like in January, February, it doesn't typically – the number itself – you know the the win total doesn't usually move because they don't want to get in a position where people are middling the bet. Like right. you you don't want to start with an eighty two and a half over under, and even if all the money comes in on over, you don't want to move it to eighty five because then you have a right. chance where you could lose both ends of it because people will middle the bet. Like they'll play the right. they. So what they do is instead of a ten percent vig, they'll put a thirty percent. 30 cent yeah, yeah. price yeah, vig put, on it. You have to bet thirteen to right. win ten. To or discourage people to, to yeah. from betting on that side. But in this case, the money came in apparently so heavy that they moved the number. That they moved the number not only for the White Sox, but for the Twins. They increased the Twins because at the beginning of this thing, huh. I'm being vague because I want John to guess, but at the beginning of this thing, a month ago when I wrote about it. Well, let's just let me do the guess and then we But wait, let me just finish this one. Okay. The White Sox were in second place by gambling. Uh, really? Over under and also the. Odds to win the the central. Okay, 
Um, I could I could give you the totals, but I'll nice. let you guess. And now they're tied. Huh. And so the Twins went up, the White Sox went down, and then the entire kind of pie, how it was sliced up for the ALS to win the division, not just win totals, but to win the division, flipped completely too, huh. which tells me a bunch and, of people and took – it's not like the White Sox had some huge injury. No, in, in there's been no training. real changes. I mean, right. and, and this was – Post Correa signing, right? When yeah. I looked right. at the initial right. numbers, right. so that would have changed it, obviously. But yeah, so it's interesting. To me, I, I, we do this a lot. We've done this a lot of years. At least with the AL Central, I don't remember this ever happening. Where like the February picture is different in March, right? To the point, despite that, the fact that nothing really right. happened, right? But just overwhelmingly, the public perception was, you know, down on the White Sox. I don't even know that it was so much up on the Twins as down on the White Sox, but some combination of both those things. So we've, we've, all, seen, we've seen something like this happen in the past with, like, Cleveland, but that was because somebody got hurt. Right. Like, we went spring training, Lindor was out, going to be out for the first two months. Was that the, that the one that was a I few years back or something like that? Um, and so then, yeah, you suddenly like, well, kid, that moves the line right. down. But a, there's a been no real meaningful yep. okay. changes, right, no. roster-wise. I don't think okay, so. so do you want to guess for both since they're tied? I mean, I've got to guess – I mean, now that I'll tell you what my what I wrote down last night. Okay. I wrote down Chicago eighty eighty and a half and Twins eighty four and a half. Okay, and so I'm going to guess that they moved down and up to the point where it's eighty two and a half, eighty three and a half. Okay, That's all right. Okay, all right. So I will tell you that the White Sox they each moved one game. So the White Sox were eighty four and a half yeah. a month ago, and now they're eighty three and a half. And the Twins were eighty two and a half. Actually, I saw the Twins at one point at eighty one and a half. And I was like licking my chops over that because, right. I mean, that's to me an easy one. But <laughs> now they're tied at 83. And if you look at on Bavada or Bet MGM, the odds to actually win the division, the Twins are actually slightly favored over the White Sox. Now Cleveland is the favorite uh, to win the right. division. Right, right. But the Twins, even though they're both at 83.5 for their win total, you know, I think people are probably more likely to place a big, bigger bet to win the division than on a win total, maybe. Uh, so that's they've even altered that okay. even more. So that it goes Cleveland, drop off, right. Twins, much, much smaller drop off, White Sox right. for the uh, just the odds They're, to win the whole right, thing, right. Uh, the AL Central. But in terms of win total, 83.5 for both, which – so last year, let's give them the same treatment that we just gave the the Tigers and the, and the Royals. So last year, everybody knows, Twins won 78. White Sox won 81, so right. they both won fewer than 83 and a half last year. And the Twins, Pythagorean, was 82, so four games better than what they actually okay. finished. And the White Sox was 78, three games worse than they actually finished. Right. right. Those were two ma- very mediocre teams. I think that kind of matches <laughs> yeah, what right. we saw. Yeah. Uh, now, let's look at the projection systems. So Fangraphs has the Twins at 83 wins, okay. so right at the over-under. Baseball Prospectus has them at 88 wins, which perhaps isn't surprising because, as I just said, Baseball Prospectus was much lower on the Royals and the Tigers, so those wins are going somewhere. Fangraphs has the White Sox at 80 wins, and Baseball Prospectus has them at 79 wins, which here's why I think the public perception was so much different than the betting lines, because the betting lines came out before the projections came out. And people are swayed by fan graphs yeah, and baseball maybe. perspectives. I've written about this when I was at Baseball Perspectives. How we I, we actually had our numbers guy run the numbers of the gap between the over unders in Vegas 
and the Pakoda projected win total on right. day one, and they essentially used they to moved, be far they apart moved, they and became identical. Right, right, right. And that's not Pakoda is a system. Right. It's no. There's no individual putting right. inputs in. Right. Whereas somebody is choosing the over unders in Vegas. So that what that tells you is not that they're He's believing Pakoda, the but that I think what it says is they realize the public is starting to look at fan graphs and starting to look at Pakoda to aid their over under picks, which we've been doing yes, this for right. a long time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the fact that both projections think the White Sox are going to have a losing a half, record. Huh? Eighty-three and a half. Eighty-three and a half. Right. Yes. Uh, now. Let's go over. We're not going to go over the Twins offseason because no, we've done about saying. fifty episodes going over that. But well, White Sox, Sox big change was Tony Russo is gone. Yes, which is very helpful to them. <laughs> uh, Tony Russo is gone. I really have no clue what type of manager they replaced him with. Right. Uh, I know that Rocco Baldelli speaks highly of him, uh, but just not having Tony Larusa uh, in game and in the clubhouse by all accounts should help them if you believe in that sort of thing having an impact. Uh, they lost Jose Abreu to free agency. He signed with the Astros. So he's been really the kind of Nelson Cruz of their team uh, over the past, I don't know, half decade, basically. Uh, they, it's all, But it's also worth noting with the White Sox, we were so focused on the Twins injuries, they were crushed by injuries too. Yes. Now, they didn't have quite as many just total days lost to the injured list as the Twins, but they lost like almost every star player they had, especially yes. – uh, on the position player side, to some kind of significant and, and, and also like the Twins, this happened two years in a row. Right. Yeah. Uh, so they lost Jose Abreu for agency. Their only real, you know, addition was Andrew Benintendi to like they gave him like eighty million dollars or something, right, which yeah. surprised me yes. to play left field. And yeah, part yeah, of it yeah, is yeah. I think they like his on base skills and contact skills and all that stuff, but by him putting him, who's a good, he's a good fielder in left field, they can move. Eloy Jimenez to right. DH. They can move Andrew Vaughn, who's been playing out of position in the outfield, to first base to replace Abreu. But that's because they lost Abreu. Right. right. Yeah. But right. their defense gets better, not necessarily because they added like some great defenders, but they have Jimenez playing DH where he should right. be and Vaughn playing first base where he should be instead of having those guys in the corner outfields, which has been kind of disastrous for them. Uh, let's see. There was one other uh, thing I wanted to mention. They have... Uh, one outfield prospect who's potentially ready uh, to join that mix, Colas, Collis. I don't know how you say his name, Oscar Colas. Uh, the the big question with them is Liam Hendricks, who's battling cancer now and is undergoing treatment and has said he plans to pitch this season, but they seem unsure you know, when that might be, how effective he'll be, all that stuff. Obviously, it's much bigger than baseball. Uh, the The kind of underrated strength of this White Sox team has become the front line starting pitching. Like you look at all the bats, especially when they still had Abreu, and you go, you know, Luis Robert and Abreu and Jimenez and Grandal and Tim Anderson and uh, Moncada and all these guys. And you look at th- this was supposed to be the core of a great, you know, dominant in this division lineup. Right. And a lot of those guys have been hurt. Tim Anderson's been great. A lot of those guys have been hurt. Now Abreu's gone. A lot of them can't find a position, all that stuff. Meanwhile, Dylan Cease was one of the top five starting pitchers in the league last yep. year. Lance Lynn has been great for them, yep. although he was banged up at times last year. Lucas Giolito has been really good for them. Sure. You know, all-star caliber pitcher. And then Michael Cole- Young contender. Yes, right. a few years ago. And then Michael Kolpak, who's been hurt, but is, you know, raw stuff-wise, right. he's probably second to Cease in the in the rotation. So they have 
potentially a really good like top three four. Right. Not having Hendricks in that bullpen hurts, but they have a couple of, I think pretty good relievers. It's weird to be like the question is really with the lineup in terms of can and, they and stay they, healthy? And they've had so many you know high end prospects that right. are seem like they're on the verge of really breaking through if they can just stay healthy. This team feels to me like it's just got a whole lot more upside than downside. I agree with that. Yeah, that that and you know I'm probably viewing that partly as a Minnesota Twins fan who does not want them to do well. Uh, yeah. But but as and as a result, I take a look at that and I'm I'm a little bit afraid of that team. Uh, yeah, I, I'm although, a little bit afraid of, of what that team might blossom into. But don't you think? Yes, I don't disagree. But I feel like we've said that five years in a row about the White Sox. Well, yeah, you know what I mean. But like that, then, then, then the year that that you say that isn't going to happen. That's the year that it really does. <laughs> Do you know what well, I mean? That's like it's quite logical. Three, three years, yeah. You know? uh, yeah. I mean, they have star power for right. sure. Right. I mean, Luis Robert is Buxton like right. if he's healthy, and you know we just named a half. You know, Tim Anderson's one of the best shortstops in baseball. He's a great hitter. They have guys who. You, they could have the best lineup in the division easy, pretty easily for them. Right. We just talked about the frontline starting pitching could potentially be best in the division or right up there with Cleveland, I would say, or even the Twins. But I don't know. I have some questions about the bullpen. I have some questions about, like the like you said, all these guys used to be, you know, the Mancadas of the world or Jimenez of the world used to be, you know, stud prospects and were early on seemed on track to be like perennial all-star type of guys. Right. And they just haven't haven't gotten to that level, and we've seen that with the twins with like sure. Snow Kirilov. Well, yeah, but I'm thinking of like the previous group, and it's like even like Eddie Rosario, sure. Snow, uh, Buxton, for that matter. Yeah. And you know, you're four or five in years into these guys' careers, and you're still like, well, they were supposed to be this. Right. At what point do you just say, you know, they're this? Yeah, they are what they are. Moncada is a pretty good player, right. but he's not a great player. Jimenez is a pretty good hitter. But he's just, you know, a good DH basically at this point. Like, right. I think Vaughn has some upside. I losing mean, a Bray who hurts. Yeah, losing Bray who hurts, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I. I the, you, you could suggest Injuries and in depth, I feel like, have done them in uh, last year and right. to some extent the last couple of years. And I don't know that they're in that much better a spot well, with either of those things. not with depth, I don't think. Right. They're. But they do have, you know, quite a bit of, I mean I think actually I don't want to say they have the most star power but I would say they have the most of any AL Central team they have the most kind of potential all-stars right yeah like right. they don't have the best players in the division uh and they don't have like the most likely to lead the division in war or anything like that but they have the most guys who you wouldn't be surprised if they made the all-star team yeah. I would say and that's that counts for something I mean depth is great but if you just have you know, six of the top 12 players in the division, that t makes up for some depth. So I'll take the over. You take the over? I'll take the over on both, actually. Okay. Twins and uh, uh, White Sox. I don't know if I'm going to – I'm not going to bet on hmm. uh, the White Sox. Well, That's I will, absolutely uh, – they are the biggest enigma I have yeah. on this. I guess I'll, I'll take the under if only to provide some drama here okay. between you and I. So you took the under on both Detroit and Kansas City? Yes. Okay. And down. you took the under on the White, White Sox. Sox, and you're taking the over on the Twins? I will take the over on 83.5 for the Twins. Now, I would have liked it much more at 81.5, which is when I should have <laughs> I, I would have, too. Uh, um, I don't know. Do we need to talk about the Twins' offseason or where no, they stand at this no. point? I think, no. you know, it's not dissimilar 
from the conversation we just had about the White Sox, basically, right. which is like the star power is there. Injuries are the biggest thing. The rotation looks the strong. The rotation looks strong. It looks like you're going to have a, a chance to win every day, yeah. pretty much. The injuries, the I mean, we talked about this all season, right. all off season. The injuries, you logically say they literally lost the most days to injuries right. of any American League team last year. That will get better. It cannot get worse. Like, it cannot physically get worse. But it's not as if the slate of health just gets wiped clean. I mean, think of what we've spent the last several weeks talking about with Buxton and Polanco and Kirloff and Maui and Maeda and on and on and on. Are these guys collectively much healthier than they were for most of last season? Yes. But the idea that, you know, once January 1st hits, that all previous injury-related things are wiped off the slate and everyone starts at 100% physically, I think with certain guys on the Twins, that's just not realistic. So that's... The biggest drawback with the Twins, I still have some questions about the bullpen. I think the rotation looks fantastic right yeah, now for too. them. Yep. I have some questions about, you know, first base DH bats uh, for the Twins is regarding Kirloff yep. and some other guys. But those are the easiest things to fix. Right. And I, I do think they have some guys in the minors waiting to, to step in, like we talked about with Julian and everything. So, I don't know, 83 and a half. My other thought with the Twins, and then we'll we'll finish up the division with, the, with Cleveland, but my other thought with the Twins is, you know, they led this division for like 110 out of 185 days or whatever it was last year. They were they were tied for first place on September 2nd. Right. Now, if you listen to the show, you certainly know that we were very skeptical and we certainly didn't view them as a great team. We viewed them as sort of a average-ish to maybe above average team. Right. And that's where they were on September 2nd. And then the bottom just fell out, and they were the worst team in baseball right. for the final month. And really, final six weeks, they were a lot of AAA players were playing. They still finished with 78 wins. So to me, we saw you know an 85 to 88 win team for three-fourths of the season. Right. And then we saw a replacement level team for the last month of the season, and that equaled 78 wins. So to get to 83 and a half to me – it's not going to take much. All they really have to do is be what they were yeah. from April through the beginning of well, September. And what carried them in April and May to the lead that they built in April and May was pitching, starting pitching. They had a really good starting rotation for April and May. Everybody was uh, doing better than we thought they were going to. Then they that kind of then the bullpen kind of fell apart. The rotation kind of fell apart. Then everything fell apart right. in late September. So you know, I am optimistic that you bring that back. Only with a solid rotation for you know every day you feel like you've got a chance to win, that feels like a high eighties win team. Today. Right, and I just think it's also just much less likely. I mean, it was already unlikely. That's why it was such a shock. But much less likely given the depth they've assembled on the opening day roster, but also the depth they have in place with their AAA guys. Right, that the bottom will just completely fall out. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I just I don't. I don't see any way this is not at least like a 500-ish team. So to get to 83.5, it's a little higher than I would have liked that I'd feel confident with. But Before we jump into uh, Cleveland, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about a couple more sponsors. Soda Stick, who, by the way, is going to be at the opening day party at Forgotten Star. They're going to have a table there. Nice. Be excited. Uh, you, you, I think last time we had Soda Stick, we talked about Soda Stick. We said, you might want to sign up for their texts and their emails and such because new stuff alerts. happens fast. Yeah. 
the Bud Grant stuff sold out immediately. Right. I mean, which is, you know, they had some great, great Bud Grant stuff out there, right? Uh, they will, they're probably looking at trying to do another batch. Uh, you're going to have to go to sodastick.com and find out what they have. Sodastickco.com or just Google Sodastick. It's, I always describe it, I compare it to a great uh, local barbecue place, yeah. which is <laughs> yeah. they have it until it's sold out. And then you're going to regret that you didn't get to eat some of it. But one of the things they did is uh, with this, they got these uh, Coach Grant One stickers. They also had some T-shirts that were like it as well. But they got a whole bunch of those. And they go, well, it's the sort of thing you can put on your laptop or your cooler, your water bottle, your beer fridge, whatever, something something like that. And so what they're going to do is, because they sold out of the Grant stuff and because they want to give something to Gleeman and the Geek listeners, if you use the promo code Gleeman, you get 15% off. That's what you always get with, with uh, Soda Stick. You always use that promo code Gleam and you get 15% off. But they're also going to include a free Coach Grant sticker with each order as a small way to pay homage to him. And, uh, you know, there's, you're going to find plenty of stuff. You're going to, listen, you're coming to the opening day party at Forgotten Star. Uh, you're going to want to have a Soda Stick shirt on because that is the, those are the people that appreciate Soda Stick uh, references that are on those shirts and so on. You go into opening day at Target Field, you're going to want to have a soda stick. Sodastickco.com or Google Soda Stick Soda like Minnesota. Soda Stick uh, and use the promo code Gleeman, 15% off. Get the uh, commemorative sticker. And uh, our last sponsor for the show is BetterHelp. We've talked about this a lot, but the idea behind BetterHelp is if for whatever reason in your life you've been thinking to yourself lately, I need to talk to somebody. I need to talk to somebody. <laughs> I need assistance with this. Whether it's uh, mental, emotional, whatever it is, and you're finding it tough to kind of push yourself to, there are some barriers for entry right. for yeah. talking to a therapist or getting set up. And some of that is just the literal paperwork required to make that happen. Right. Some of it for someone like me is, I don't really want to talk to somebody on the phone today, right. or I don't really want to go and you know wait in line to be somewhere today, or that, I don't know who to talk to. Well, that or, too. Right. And so the beauty of BetterHelp is you go to BetterHelp.com, and if you want to do a video chat with a real licensed therapist, you can do that. If you think I don't want to be on video, you can just do a phone call. Right. If you think oh, I don't want to actually talk to anybody, <laughs> you could literally just do a live chat and type with them. Right. Whatever they will tailor it to whatever fits your personality or the things you're struggling with the most. Uh, and they have a special offer for Gleeman and the Geek listeners. If you go to betterhelp.com slash Gleeman, you can get 10% off your first month to give it a try. That's betterhelp.com slash Gleeman. That's right. Okay. Uh, Cleveland. You want to guess what they're over under? Last year they won 92 games. But their Pythagorean was 88. Okay, and they were, like I said, tied with the Twins in early September. Not that that's super meaningful because they won the division by 14 games. So let's give them full credit on that. But they didn't really do anything this offseason? Uh, they had a Josh Bell as a uh, another bat, okay. first base DH oh, bat. okay. I forgot about Josh Bell. Um, right. You know, we should mention, we talked that's about pickup. the injuries for Chicago and Minnesota. The Twins were the most injured team in the American League. Cleveland was the least injured team in all of Major League Baseball right. last year. Uh, I believe they had only 700 total days on the injured <laughs> list. To put that in perspective, I believe the Twins had almost 2,500 days. Okay, right. uh, three times as many injuries, basically. Um, you know, So the odds of that happening again, who knows? Now, they still have Ramirez. They still have Jose Ramirez, <laughs> right. who to me is the best player in the division, probably. Uh, they still have 
Shane Bieber, right. who is a great pitcher, perhaps not quite as great as he was a few years ago, but right. still a frontline number one starter all-star. Uh, they have Tristan McKenzie, who I would say is a real solid young number yeah. two starter. Uh, Class A, their closer, is – I mean, he was better than Duran in a lot of yeah, ways last right, year, yeah, but Duran-esque. I mean, whatever you think of, of Joan Duran, correct? Emmanuel Class A is, is right up there, right. or and maybe even a slight bit ahead of him. I know that's people are going to be upset by that, but go look at Class A stuff and numbers. They're, it's incredible. Uh, last year, the biggest key for them, I think, aside from the injury thing, being healthy, was we used to always say it's like stars and scrubs with Cleveland, especially in the lineup, because they used to have Ramirez and Lindor, and then just their outfield right. would make combined $3 million and hit 18 home runs, and you'd go, why are they not just investing right. a little bit into like the the supplemental players, the role players on this team? And what finally happened, they didn't invest in it. No, they, but they got some young guys. They got some young guys. Talent, yeah. uh, Kwan. Stephen Kwan yeah. was huge for them in the leadoff spot as sort of a Luis Arise type yep. of left fielder. Um, you know, Andres Jimenez, who they got from the Mets in the Lindor trade, right. was a tr- all-star second baseman. Uh, Ahmed Rosario, who they also got from the Mets in the Lindor trade, was a, was a real solid shortstop for them at times. Uh, and then Josh Naylor, who's been kind of, I don't know, looked upon and hasn't quite produced in years past became you know a middle of the the order rbi 25 30 homer type of guy and had some real big hits their strength was offense uh, last year it wasn't pitching which is unusual yeah i mean their pitching was still good but like they they just they put the ball in play they ran the bases well they had a little bit more power than they're used to thanks to guys like naylor and they also just it was just a deeper lineup the lineup didn't stop at four five they were you know six seven eight guys in the lineup on most days and you know that's what killed the twins that you know it was the guys like naylor who killed and kwan who killed the twins and that's not it wasn't ramirez and obviously lindor's gone and all that but so that was to me the biggest difference and most of that remains they didn't really do anything other than josh bell who's that but just not a bad pickup. (coughs) no that's the exactly when you got you got that spot open that's a great pickup for that spot it's those are exactly the type of moves that we were always so kind of dumbfounded that right. they didn't make before. Not necessarily at that position, but just why wouldn't they go out and spend ten million bucks on a decent bat right. to you know bat fifth in their lineup? And so they're they're finally kind of doing that. You know, super low payroll still, obviously. But uh, what do, what is your guess? Last year they won ninety two. I guessed my I guessed Vegas gave them about eighty seven and a half. Okay, eighty six and a half. Okay. Now that seems really low to me. Eighty six and a half. Yeah. Because I look at them and I say, okay, maybe the injury thing, you figure they were just blessed by no injuries last at year. At 87 and a half, I was going to take the under. <laughs> really? Okay. Well, my guess is that they were going to win 88. Well, That's you also right. took the over on the White Sox. So, yeah, right. And the Twins. So right. how's that going to work? You right. can't exactly really right. take yeah, that's, over that's on. That's where I'm at on this. Right. right. To me, 86 wins. 86 and a half. Jesus. Is not a lot of wins. Uh, they won 92 last year, and no, I don't I think know. they were like particularly amazing last no, year. I mean, no. Uh, you look at the now however fangraphs has them virtually tied with the twins for 84 wins in their projection okay. and then baseball prospectus has them literally tied with the twins at 88 wins now 88 wins beats 86 wins but right. uh i just 86 and a half to me for now this is going to upset twins fans but we'll get more into more <laughs> of this at the end of the show but to me they're clearly the favorites in the division like yeah. you know twins fans made Think that the Twins are going to win the division, but they're the favorites. They're the, the favorites. I mean, there's no question. Right. Vegas is anointed them right. the favorites. And right. so, how many divisions 
do you see the answer for the rest of the other two divisions is not in for this year. But how many divisions do you see where the clear-cut A favorite but B favorite who won the division by double digit games the previous year is only projected to or has an over under of 86 and a half. Right. That just seems very low to me. Now, I do think like 90 wins probably will win this division. Uh, yeah. But, you know, last year, I guess last year, 82 wins would have won the division, right? Right. So, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean what wins it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be what they end with. But yeah, I don't know. To me, I, I'm not super high on Cleveland, but they certainly look to me like an 88 to 90 win team, something like that, which right. is kind of my default for good team, not great team, but legitimately good team. And so I don't know. 86 and a half to me seems just really low. <sighs> yeah, I, I, I would my, love my, to. My guess was 88 wins for them. That's what I would right. would, would guess. My guess on their over under was eighty seven and a half. I was still going to maybe take the under on them well, because that's I just, just you wanting to wish fulfillment. Maybe, yeah, it <laughs> might be. Yeah, it might very you, well be to will it into right. existence. At eighty six and a half, I don't think I could take the under on them. I mean, that's just a really low. And the thing here is the thing: they didn't lose anybody. Their guys are not getting super old. If anything, most of their key contributors, you know, Class A and Quan and McKenzie and guys like that, are young i mean they're right. not even in their prime and ramirez still looks really good i i don't know i i think they wouldn't even need everything to go right to right. beat this projection right. pretty soundly like so so here's what i'm gonna go i'm gonna take the over on them okay and here's my logic don't make me don't let me talk you <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm, no I'm, i had 88 and the okay. number is 86 and a half right i mean i know but here's here's the logic on it i think two of those three teams twins are going to hit the over, and one's going to hit the under. Yeah, I, I think that also. Right, and I don't. And so by taking the over on all of them, right, you I'm don't need all three to take two out of one. Yeah, that's true. Right, yeah, and but, in, in the same way that I don't think taking the under on the two other teams in the division, uh, right. I, I'm not going to lose them both. Well, yeah, I mean, if we really want, if you like, we I'm going to go three and two on this division, <laughs> or maybe four and one. That's what I'm well, saying. Well, there's a fame. <laughs> I hope he goes over five. Now. No, but like last year, we both had losing records. For this thing. And right. the previous years, we've had winning records for years and years. But if you really just wanted to guarantee yourself a not horrible record in your picks, right. you could just pick all overs or all unders. Right. And you're probably going to go seven and eight or eight something and seven, like yeah, something right. like that. That's six right. and nine, yeah, maybe at worst. So. So. I mean, unless it's, the American League sucks suddenly yeah, <laughs> compared to the National League. Because there's going to be a lot more interleague games. Yeah, yeah that's an interesting... Uh, you know, we've talked so much about the schedule, and it's like, well, it hurt the Twins. I think yeah. most evidence suggests, like most research on it suggests, that's overblown, yeah. even for a team like the Twins, who, yes, they don't get to face the Royals and the Tigers, but those games are just being replaced by sort of nameless, faceless National League, which almost by definition are going to be 500 teams. Now, those 500 is much better than the Royals and the Tigers are expected to be, but you're also – Losing games against Cleveland, you're losing games against Chicago, and they're just getting replaced by sort of this amorphous blob right. of National right. League, yeah. which is, you know, by definition, just going to be average. average. Yep. And so if if you're replacing games with average opponents, it can't have that big of an impact. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. it's not, yep. I don't know. I, I, I just kind of reviewing the statement that I said, you know, two of those three teams are going to mm -hmm. win the over, or hit, are going to hit the over. I'm thinking about that's kind of a preposterous statement in some ways. This is the AL Central. Yes. You know, like you would think, I, I take a look at almost all these numbers that you've given me, 
And almost all of them I would have lowered by at least one run or two, or one game yeah. or two games, in part because because it's the AL Central. So maybe you should take under on all five. Yeah, I'm going to do it, gonna, John. The three overs on Cleveland, White Sox, Minnesota, and then the two unders on Detroit. Kansas okay, so the so only one we disagree with. So, so you're taking the over then on Cleveland as well? Yeah. The only one we disagree with is the White Sox then in the AL Central. Yeah, that's right. Do you, who, do you, who are you betting on? Uh, I will bet. We always bet the Twins. Yeah, I know. What, so regardless I, of our pick. So we're okay. both taking the over. I would have loved it if one of us took the under. Just for the well, sake of disagreement, we have disagreed in years I mean, past on the twins. Well, we have absolutely, um, but I yeah, I will bet that, and I will bet, hmm. I will bet. Uh, I'm staying away from Cleveland and White Sox. It's got to be Detroit or Kansas City. I'm going to go Kansas City as your emphasized pick. As my emphasized pick, and the I one will, I actually bet. I will go. My my thought process on that. I'm just gonna think like eh. I will Detroit. Go. Detroit just having new blood around is gonna make some difference, even if it's not actually okay. actively making changes. <laughs> okay. Right. The Royals not having any new blood around is, uh, although they've got some young people. I don't know. It's a tough call. I guess I'll go. I guess I'll go Kansas. You're taking the, the Red Cross approach, which is the value of new blood. Yeah, that's right. That's no, right. That was maybe a stretch. I'll take uh, the Guardians over as my other one. Okay. So I'll take Twins over, Guardians over. All right. Uh, okay. Okay. So now let's do. Uh, let's try to race through the, the other division. <laughs> the we can race the through East these because okay. you know. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's do AL East. So I'm going to guess Baltimore was the lowest. Yes. Do you have a? Even though they weren't. Right. <laughs> last they year. won 83 last year, mostly with a really good second half that kind of came out of nowhere. 79 Pythag. Yeah, they didn't do. They, I think people thought they were going to be doing having. They told people they were going to have a big offseason, and then they didn't do it. Yeah, their payroll is sixty three million dollars, which is craziness to me. Uh, Obviously, last year's over under for them was sixty and a half, right? And they won eighty three. Well, they lost seventy nine, hundred ten games previous like two or three years. I put their my guess on their one was seventy eight and a half, seventy six and a half is the actual number. Okay, so you're pretty close. Fangraphs has them at 77. Baseball Prospectus has them at 74. Like you said, they didn't really add anything. And, in fact, they subtracted guys like Jorge Lopez right. at the deadline. Yeah, right. Um, but they have two of, I would say, I guess Henderson is still a prospect. But Adley Rushman was a great rookie catcher last year. I mean, you know, Mauer-esque, I would say, where you can just pencil this guy in as an all-star for 10 years or whatever. Gunnar Henderson, who came up in the second half, shortstop, third base, second base, you know, leadoff type of guy, maybe middle of the order type of guy. These are two of the best, you know, dozen young players in the American League probably. That's the strength of their team. But beyond that, and they also have a, a maybe the number one pitching prospect in the world in uh, Grayson Rodriguez. Right. Unclear necessarily when he'll be up, but probably at some point this year. So all that losing, they got all these high picks. Rushman was the number one pick. Henderson was, if not number one, top five for sure. Uh, their big move this offseason was, was Kyle Gibson. So that kind of tells <laughs> you where they're at. Um, with that said, they won 83 last year. Right. With sort of and a, it was legit. Yeah. With the 79, with it was a legit. team whose best players are 22 years old or whatever. Right. Yeah. And so I'm not a huge believer. I think their pitching is real short, and that division is going to chew people up. But I can't help but be like over 76 and a half, I feel like, is reasonable. You're going to take over? Yeah. I'm going to take under. Okay. Uh, that is <laughs> – 
I, I think they are clearly the worst team in that division. <laughs> See, I don't. Which we're about okay, to get yeah, to. Okay, okay. Who do you, you want to guess the second? Boston. Yeah. yeah. Boston. Uh, I think they're the worst. I think they're the worst team in the division. And as worst team in the division, I also think, you know, that's a high number for the worst team in the division. That's true. Right? Yes. <laughs> that's a very high number for the worst team in the Although division. Although no team in the division lost fewer than or won fewer than 78 games last year. Well, and that, when, I, when I was trying to come up with my Vegas guesses on this, I had to kind of mentally come up with uh, add one or two extra wins to all of them because right, it's the they, they, they no longer have to face each other. What all we the talked time. about right. with the Central yeah. is they're replacing Yankees games right. and Rays games and Blue Jays games with NL, right? Uh, the right. amorphous blob. So what? Do, okay, what do you want to guess for Red Sox then? Uh, I had they won seventy eight last year. Yeah, with a Pythag of seventy six. They lost Xander Bogarts. Right. The front office is. On the verge of getting fired, it seems. Yeah, I think my guess on them was way off. Eighty-three and a half, seventy-seven and a half yeah. is the guess. I mean, that was my. So that I've means got, you have to I've take got, the over. I've got a blind spot on the Red Sox. Well, I can never the Red Sox are all over doing. the place. They've right. had years where they finish last, and then they win the World Series. <laughs> right, years. right. Uh, I just look at the guys they've lost. You know, Eovaldi and JD Martinez and Bogarts and Christian Vasquez, who they traded yeah, at right, midseason yeah, but lost, and Chris Sale. What are they getting from Chris Sale? Is he just cooked? Maybe he looked awfully good. It seems like <laughs> their their lineup is Devers, who's great, and they signed a guy Yoshida from Japan, who could be really good, and then just a bunch of kind of old role players. And I don't know it just seems like a very strange team. Right. It seems like a team to me that is like rebuild type, but didn't rebuild. Right. And so I think they're going to be the worst team. In the league, in the division, I think their front office is going to get fired. I think they're going to continue to trade guys away if they can, and so I'm going to take the under on seventy-seven and a half, even though that's a very low over/under for right. the Boston Red right. Sox. Obviously, I'm going to take the under as well, but I'm going to take not because I think they're necessarily that bad. I think one of those two teams will beat that number. Okay, but I think one of those, at least one of those teams is going to be under, and. It's possible they're both under, given the stri- given the power sure. at the top of that division. So. Uh, okay. Do you want to guess the third place team? In the it's going to be the Rays. Yeah, correct. So last year the Rays won eighty six. Uh, their big offseason move was uh, signing uh, Phillies pitcher Zach Elfin. Yeah, for a surprisingly big deal, forty million over three years. Uh, Tyler Glass now is back, hopefully for them. Uh, although he's banged up this spring. Wander Franco, they're going to hope to get a full season out of him. He was the best prospect in the world uh, a year ago. Uh, Shane McClanahan's like a you know, front-line starting pitcher for them. But really, th- it's the same story with the Rays every year. We've been doing this for right. 10 years at least, and it's the same discussion, which is they got a few young stars. You look at the bullpen and you go, I don't know who any of these dudes are, but I guarantee they're going to have one of the best bullpens in the league. Right. I don't know how ready some of these young guys are, but by midseason, a handful of them are going to be playing – you know, valuable roles. They're going to have some pitcher breakout in the rotation. Right. Uh, you know, they, they're always going to squeeze marginal advantages. They're always going to platoon. They're always going to play matchups. They're always going to have, you know, five guys in the bullpen who can come in and pitch key spots. And as a result, they're going to be good, not great. Right. Defensively, right. Yeah. they're always going to be legit because right. they have all this roster flexibility that the Twins are right. trying to kind of uh, emulate. Emulate, yeah. So I just wonder, like, I feel like they haven't – completely ripped anybody off in a trade for a while, <laughs> which used to be the way they would get star players. Right. 
uh, I feel like they haven't done that for a, a while. And by a while, I mean like 18 months. Like they used <laughs> right. to just, the yeah. Chris Archer trade was maybe the last one they right, did yeah. where they would just get like three building block guys for some random veteran. And then you'd look at it five years later and go, how the hell did that happen? And that's how they would. Snell. Yeah. The Bl- <laughs> Blake Snell. Although I don't know that's worked out like I don't amazingly. Know, I don't but know. Uh, uh, what do you guess? I guessed. That theirs was going to be 86 and a half. 88 and a half. So pretty Is close. Because I started with 87 and a half, and then I went, no, nah, everybody always underestimates the These are the pretty good. You're, eight, you're eight, guessing eight. within two wins, plus or minus, yeah. John. This yeah. is this is not bad for a gentleman right. of your age. So, <laughs> 88 and, and a half. Intelligent. A gentleman of your well, age bu- and intelligent. It bums me out that it's 88 and a half, though, because at 86 and a half, I was definitely on the over. And now, I'm, <laughs> now, I'm, That's now I'm, I've got my guess on how many wins they were going to have was 88. My my note my final note for the Rays here that I've written down is who the hell knows, <laughs> which is like you said, I'm pretty confident they're going to be a good team. Are they capable of being great? I mean, they have been in the past. Right. I think they have very good management in place. I think they squeeze margins great. I think they always have a ton of depth. They always have young guys that no one knows but have more upside than perceived. But is that? A ninety-win team? I don't know, and that's at eighty-eight I'm, and a half. I'm taking. I'm taking the over, even though I just said I, my prediction for them was eighty-eight. I'm taking the over okay. on eighty-eight and a half. I'll take the under on the Rays because, frankly, they are going to be facing teams in other divisions, and I feel like that's going to help. All right, so I'll take the under. You take the over. Okay. Now I will say that if I had taken the under on the Rays every year for the past decade, <laughs> I'd be uh, in the poorhouse. Yeah. And in fact, my every logic... Every year you take the under on the Rays, you regret it. Yeah. And yeah. my logic right. most years, in fact, was we'd have this exact conversation. I'd say, I think they're good, but are they great? The over-under is 87, 88. And I'd go, I'll just take the over because I trust in the yeah. Rays. Yeah. So I'm being stupid and going against my own uh, right. my own feeling with that. Second place team... Toronto. In the, yeah, that's correct. They won 92 last year. Pythagoras 91. Uh, so, they okay. traded their – they have three good young catchers. Uh, Kirk, who made the all-star team. Jansen, who was probably the best backup in the league. And then uh, I think his name was Gabriel Moreno, who was a top 30 consensus prospect. They traded the prospect to the Diamondbacks for Marshfield, Wisconsin's finest. Oh, yeah. Dalton Varsha, yeah, the right. upper Midwest player of the year, yeah. who's a was himself a catching prospect but is now a center field, left field, uh, left-handed hitting uh, power bat. That was their probably biggest move. I mean, they were pretty good last year. Yes, they were like, very good. And at times looked at one looked like one of the better teams in the American League, and that's despite Barrios, Barrios. being terrible yeah. for them. Yeah. And now I look at their rotation. They got Kevin Gaussman, who to me is a top ten pitcher. Right. Uh, Alec Manoa, who was great last year as a rookie. Uh, made the All Star. I think he, did he start the All Star game. He made the All Star team, and then they signed Chris Bassett. Who's been real solid for Oakland and, and the Mets the past three four years? Right. Yeah, Barrios is like their fourth I starter. I say Bassett, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so Barrios, I'm not the biggest believer in Barrios at this point. He was legitimately no. terrible last year, but he's, he's their also, fourth starter. Also terrible versus uh, WBC. WBC. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you look at their lineup, and they just got. It's almost like it reminds me of the the Astros five years ago, where it's just they just got power. Right. Like obviously Vlad Guerrero, Guerrero. Jr. Yep. Uh, you have Bo Bichette, who's yep. Dante Bichette's kid, has 30 homer power. George Springer, who was literally on the Astros, right. is a 30 homer guy. Uh, Matt Chapman, gold glove third baseman with power uh, when healthy. The other question I have is, like, they signed Brandon Belt, who's yeah. formerly been great but might just be kind of cooked. Right. Whit Merrifield they got in a deadline deal with the Royals, and he can bounce all over, but it's unclear to me that he's still kind of an impact player at this point. But 
Their catcher situation's among the best in the league. They got four or five guys who are just sort of sluggers. Right. Uh, I just think the lineup looks pretty good and pretty deep with some real all-star caliber guys. The rotation to me goes three deep minimally in frontline guys, and if Barrios gets back on track, I don't know. The bullpen. It's, it's, it's a really good team. The question is how high of a number. Did, right. So did what they, did you guess? I for, guess that they give them a number of 92 and a half. That's exactly what they – you're getting good at this, John. I oh, swear I didn't I, show them. <laughs> uh, boy, that's uh, – it's impre- I, I'm seeing you in a new light, John. <laughs> I used to just think this I've been guy's pretty good at this. a pure doofus. The, the, the problem with how does is, he tie his shoes I've in the got, morning? I've got pretty good at it to the point where uh, I can't really tell which way it's going to go. I like almost my guesses are too close to. You should to take a is. job at uh, MGM. Or something. Yeah, unfortunately, ninety-two and a half is a terrible number. I, like I don't, I don't know which way to go. Yeah, that, it's that a very high number, number yes. for a non-first place right. team. Right. Uh, yeah, and I. It's one thing if you know this is clearly the best team in the division, but I'm right. not sure that the Blue Jays are the best team in the division. Right. 92 and a half. I think they're the best team in the division, though, so I'm going to take over. I'm also going to take the over. I'm a, I'm a big believer in the Toronto Blue Jays for this season and the next several years. I think they're in a rare spot where they have impact young talent that is already playing at an all-star level. They have an ownership group and front office that has – recently been willing to go spend money and swing trades to add to that with veteran impact guys. And I think, yeah, the division's always going to be tough. But yeah. I, I really think this could easily be a 95-plus win team, so I'll take the over. First place in the AL East, as it has been Could be the Yankees. Most of the time. Won 99 uh, games last year. Pythag was 106. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> by the way, Fangraphs and BP both say 89 wins for the Blue Jays, for whatever that's hmm. worth. Uh, and they said 88 and 86, respectively, for the Rays, even though the Rays are always yeah. considered the analytic darlings. But right. uh, Yankees, 99 last year. They re-signed Aaron Judge. Right. They went out and got Carlos Rodon, who is already banged up, but is <laughs> supposed to be ready early-ish. Right. Uh, last year, they got Donaldson and Kiner Falefa from the Twins, who are both despised by right. Yankees fans yeah. at this point. Along with Aaron Hicks. Uh, along with Aaron Hicks. <laughs> uh, the, you know, they have Judge and Stanton, who's they, been banged they get, up. They got rid of Gallo. They got rid of Gallo. That was at midseason. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's basically Judge and Stanton in the lineup, plus Rizzo, Glaber Torres, Donaldson, DJ LeMayhew. You know, that was a lot scarier five years ago, right. that group, yeah, other a, than Judge, obviously. Yeah, that's, right. uh, that's a lot of guys who are either kind of on their last legs like Donaldson or – are perpetually in the sort of bounce back of yeah. Gleyber Torres' zone, which isn't impossible. I think rotation-wise, Garrett Cole is still a monster. Right. Carlos Rodon, when healthy, is one of the best pitchers in baseball. Right. Uh, Nestor Cortez was a great pitcher last year, he all-star for them, breakout guy for them last year. Beyond that, you know, Severino's a little bit of a question mark. I think you know their their rotation depth is a little iffy. And then last year, the question about them was that whether their rotation would right. be any good. And then it was good. And then they were good, right? Because Cortez <laughs> they were very broke good. out, right? Yep. And now they've added Rodon. The question marks with them are shortstop, where they seem, you know, Connor Falefa was their primary shortstop last year, but by the end of the year, they were just calling up prospects and playing anybody. It seems like they have a couple of young prospects that are going to try to win that shortstop job and then center field they traded for harrison bader who's a kind of gold glove caliber you know not great hitter but okay hitter and he's hurt already so center field and shortstop are going to be a question with them how cooked is josh donaldson is going to be a question for them 
But, you know, Aaron Judge is still Aaron right, Judge. Yeah. They still got big names in the lineup. I think the front line starting pitching is still there. Uh, Fangraphs has them at 91 wins, which is the highest, by the way, I believe, in the American League. Okay. It's just huh. regressed, obviously. Okay. And then BP has them at 96 wins. Last year, 99 was your guess for the Yankees. Uh, I guessed they were at 93 and a half. 94 and a half is okay. the Yankees uh, over under. Yeah. You're getting, you're, you haven't missed by more than well, the, Red did, Sox did one the Red Sox missed, one. Yeah. Was bad, but. Uh, okay. Do you want to take the over under uh, at 94 and a half for the New York Yankees? Again, wish fulfillment. You would like to take the under. Yeah, I'd like to take the under. <laughs> I'll take the over. I will also take the over on the Yankees. Uh, here's I wrote this down for the Yankees. I mean, I, what I've done on both divisions, those divisions kind of seem similar. Two teams I'm pretty sure are bad. Three teams I think I'm pretty sure are good. Yeah. I'm taking the over on the three teams. I'm taking yeah. the under on the two teams. That's fair enough. I think that's not the worst strategy. By, by the way, I think the West is going to be similar. Wait, so what are we We're going to bet on? Oh, I'm yeah. going to bet Blue Jays over, and I'm going to bet... <sighs> Boy, I hate all of these. Baltimore, I'm betting on. Okay. Baltimore under. I'm going to bet Blue Jays over and Red Sox under as my two. Mark that down, please. I'm sorry. Blue Jays over uh-huh. and Red, Red Sox, Sox under. under. I'm gonna, might as well just I'm be taking, off on my own on I'm this Red Sox. Baltimore under. I'll take the Rays over. Boy. All right. We got some disagreement there. All right. Let's move to the West to finish this thing off. Uh, last place in the West is perhaps the easiest <laughs> one of all time, the Oakland Athletics. They won 60, ga- 60 games. Their Pythagorean was 59 games. That's <laughs> they were that bad. That's pretty bad. Right. Uh, they've traded away. Everybody. In the last 18 right. months, they've right. traded away everybody, including right. you know Sean Murphy this offseason, Montes in the middle of the season, Bassett, who we've mentioned, uh, Cole Irvin they sent to the Orioles. They they basically have only added like scrap heap. Trevor May was like their big offseason pickup, which right. God love Trevor May, but right. you know. Um but the thing with Oakland, they don't consistently win like the Rays do. They have more peaks and valleys. Right. But they do successfully rebuild, or they have right. yeah. about five different times in the last twenty right. years. Yep. And they seem to you know, they, they blow it up a lot, but they seem to be terrible for like one season shorter than expected, and then they seem to be good right. a year quicker than expected. Yep. Now, with that said, I look at this roster, and this is just a horseshit roster. I mean, yep. this is just a terrible yep. roster. There's I'm trying no to no talent on this to roster. To me, the question on this one is how low is the over under? Right. Because I want to go under. Yeah. And I just am wondering how, how, well, so how hard they're going to make it for before me. Before you guess, Let's remind everyone that the worst teams in the AL Central had an over-under of 69.5 wins. Right. And the lowest over-under in the East was 76.5 wins. Right. So that's contextualizing what the worst teams in the American League are, other than Oakland. Right. What do you predict as Oakland's over-under? I put 62.5. 59.5. Jesus. Which is maybe God one of the lowest, you, Vegas. The lowest <laughs> over-unders we've ever seen in 10-plus years of doing oh. There yeah, aren't, I, I think we I think we saw one similar to that. Well, last year Baltimore's was sixty right, the, and a half. The true rebuilding, scorched earth. Yes. Um, long, long ago, Astros were like right. that, and then Orioles took the same approach. I'm taking the, the over. 
Yeah, I'm also taking the over on that. I, I, My thing is, it's just very, like no matter how bad a team is, it's very hard to <sighs> expect 102 losses. Damn it! Do you know what I mean? Yeah, damn it! It's not a good team at all. But I'm taking the over. 59 and a half. They could go 61 and 101, and you'd win your bet. Right? Like, you know, I don't think this is like a world. And this, and this isn't a great division. No, right? I think it's an okay division, but yeah. it's not bad. Okay, so we're both on the over there. Uh, Fourth place in wow. the AL West. Do you have a prediction for what that is? It gets tricky. Uh, my guess is it is the Angels. Correct. Yeah, uh, which the Angels are kind of the anti-Rays in that yeah. if you'd have taken the under on the Angels every year <laughs> yeah. for the past 20 years, you'd be pretty rich right now. They had 73 wins. 76 was their expected wins. Okay. Um, this is Shohei Otani's last season under team control, Yeah. which you might say, well, was that matter? Because if they're bad, they're going to trade him. Right. Uh, he's not going to resign there, in no. my opinion. No. Especially if they're terrible. Right. And you can't let the if he literal... he to stay in L.A., he'll go with the Dodgers. Well, right. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, you can't let the literal best player in the world just leave as a right. free agent. I mean, you, if you're bad. If right. you're good, yeah. yeah, you play it out. But So I'm assuming they're going to trade him at midseason. Did they overhaul their front office? No. Same same was front it office. The year before they overhauled their yes. front office? Okay. Yeah, uh, that's right. And yeah. their owner, Artie Moreno, put them up for sale and right. then like two months later was like, Nope, never mind, I'm gonna keep them. Never a great sign usually. <laughs> um they added Gio Urshela, old friend. Yeah. Uh Tyler Anderson, who's a solid, you know, third starter, sure. I would say. Uh Hunter Renfro who's got some power, but really it's Shohei Otani. They're hoping for a healthy Mike Trout. If that happens, those are the two best players in the league. Sure. Uh, Anthony Rendon, they've been right. waiting to be healthy for about 20 years now. Right. Um, you know, they have some good relief pitching, I think. Uh, it's just, I don't know. I feel like every year you look and you go, well, Fotani and Trout are healthy and if Rendon something, then how can this be a bad team? And then you look at the end of the year and they're 73 and 89 and you go, that's how. Right. And I just, how many years in a row do you have to do that? With that said, what are you guessing for Under. Well, what are you guessing for the number? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> You're fine. Let's see what the number is. <laughs> the number is 12 and a half, John. They're projected to go 12 and 150. Uh, I guessed their number was 74 and a half. 81 and a half Shit. is the number oh, for I'm the, definitely taking yeah. the under. Well, that makes it easy. I'm slamming the under and I'm yeah. betting on it. That's, I'll uh, take that. that. He's marking everything. <laughs> Mark it. <laughs> Under betting, you're, <laughs> you're like, taking the under. You're betting on it. I presume that's going to be one of your bets. Yeah, sure, fine. <laughs> Why not? Maybe. Yeah, I could. Well, I reserve the right. To okay, we'll do. I'll, I'll hold yes, off. The under I'll seems like a right. fairly. There, look, their upside is, and a half. is big. If everyone's healthy, they have incredible star power. It's just we've. It's been ten years. Do and they, they have, though? I mean, they've got two guys. They have literally the two best players in yeah. the, in the no, world. I know. In the I, world, no, I, in I, my I, opinion. I, I, I'm with you. I understand. what the, That's two out of nine. No, I, and, I know. And they, neither, I was going to say, neither of them pitch. Oh, no. Actually, one does. Well, yeah. It's like th- it's like having the three best players in the world, kind of. Exactly. Two and a half. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. yeah. Okay. Uh, third place. <laughs> in the, yeah, this is a funny. Only show Ayatani could cause the last 30 seconds. Yeah, exactly. Where you go, yeah, but does he pitch? Oh, yep. Actually, yeah, he, he actually does. does. He's the best pitcher in the yeah. Anyway. Uh, okay, third place in the NL West. The NL West. That's gonna be Texas. Yes. Yeah. Um, the Texas Rangers, who really underperformed last 68 year, sixty-eight wins last year after signing uh, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon to like five hundred million dollars worth of deals. Their Vegas over under last year was seventy-four and a half, and I think we both probably took the over. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, and we yeah, lost. they won sixty-eight, but you know what their Pythag was? Seventy-seven. Okay. 
Yeah, that that they underperformed by nine games. They are a much better team than they than those sixty eight injuries. Uh, one. Uh, they added significant players again. Jacob Degrom, who if healthy is <laughs> right. the best pitcher in the world. Right. Uh, they added uh, Nathan Eovaldi, who's yeah. a really solid frontline guy. Again, though, if healthy, they added Andrew Heaney, who again, if healthy, is a number right. two, number three starter. And then Jake Odorizzi, who if healthy. Has been healthy for like five years since he left the Twins. But <laughs> all potential frontline starters, including DeGrom, who's a Cy Young type of guy. I mean, he's won Cy Young awards. But all have significant injury question marks and already are banged up right. in the yeah. rotation. Uh, like I said, Seager and Simeon are still the, the core of the lineup. They also have John Gray, by the way, who they added on a big contract last year. Oh, yeah. He's right. another yeah. frontline starter with injury concerns. Right. Is, is Mitch Garver anything at this point is a big question for them. He's almost a free agent. Yeah, it's one year from free agency. <laughs> right. That's true. I, here's how I view the Rangers. Very high upside. Right. But a very low floor. Like, they could easily be terrible again. Well, Like, if the pitching is not healthy. I mean, when you see what number I thought they were going to be at, which is way under what, what their kay. number actually is, I thought they were going to be a 76 and a half or 70. Okay. Yeah, I think I put 76 See, like, and a half. Like, is, if you told me the Rangers won 90 games, right. I would believe that. Because if DeGrom is healthy and John Gray is healthy and they, you know, yeah. Seager and Simeon, like, they have plenty of guys. I just feel like the 50th percentile outcome for them is bad. Yeah. And the 90th percentile is, like, among the best in the league for 90th percentile yeah. outcomes. But just how much do you want to – so, wait, your your guess was how many? 76 and a half. It's okay. going to be, what, 82 and a half? 82 and a half, yeah. yeah. Uh, I will take the under. On 82 and a half. Sounds like you will also take the under on 82 and a half. Yeah, I'll take the under again. Uh, they were projected. Fangraphs has them at 83, and Baseball Prospectus has them at 79. Uh, I just think at some point I need to actually see it before I buy into it or bet on it with the Rangers. And, and okay. I don't necessarily th- think their approach is bad. They're throwing money at true elite level players. I just think on the pitching side, no, the health component is is pretty scary. Uh, second place, Seattle. Seattle, yeah. They won ninety games last year. Broke a two decade and playoff it was legit, And it was legit. That was the expected. Was eighty nine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, Twins fans are over here obsessing about going zero uh, for eighteen in the playoffs. It had been twenty years since Seattle made the playoffs. Right. Yeah. Uh, if you think we got it bad uh, last year, yeah, ninety wins. They added some decent kind of role player, Colton Wong. Teoscar Hernandez, A.J. Pollock. They lost Mitch Hanniger, uh to the Giants. They traded for Luis Castillo midseason, so they'll get a full season of him. He joins uh, Robbie Ray in the rotation. Two young starters I like a lot, George Kirby and uh, Logan Gilbert, I think are like you know number two caliber pitchers potentially. And then Julio Rodriguez, who right. is maybe the most promising young player in baseball, baseball yeah. uh, is their best player and center fielder and was in the w is in the wbc and all that stuff uh what would you guess for their over on 87 and a half was my guess as my canadian friends like to say dead nuts on john okay, all right. 87 and a half yeah, john's I mean, john's like ai like he he learns do you know what i mean like if you go if you do this well, i mean i just was way off on texas and uh, la You're I'm, trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to hype you up john. Uh, people aren't in love with ai at this point so yeah, i take yeah. that as how it goes okay I guess. uh 87 and a half uh i don't think the mariners are a great team by any means i don't think they'll win the division by any means but i kind of view this the same as cleveland which cleveland was 86 and a half and i just go 
they don't need to be that good. Like to me, they were a team ascending. Yeah, and they won ninety last year, and now they're at eighty-seven and a half. We just talked about how the rest of this division, other than the Astros at the top that we're about to talk about, is not that strong. I think that all sort of pushes you towards in me, at least towards over right. eighty-seven and a half. So I'll take over eighty-seven and a half. I think <sighs> their starting pitching is better than people expect. I think their lineup is a little lacking, other than Rodriguez, but they have some decent role guys that they've added and i think they have a pretty good bullpen too so uh, i also like the over but i, I don't like it very much uh, i put yeah i put them as a 90 win team so okay. i'll take it uh fangraphs has them at 85 baseball perspectives has them at 83 so they're both taking the under so we're going mm. against the projections there uh okay last last team that we're discussing is uh, the, the easiest possible uh guess here but 106 wins and expected 106 wins. <laughs> yeah. And they uh, won the World Series. <laughs> and, they won, sorry, sorry. and they've been good now for, you know, eight years. A million years. Here's They've won 95 or more games in every full season since 2017. And four times during that span, they won 100 plus games, right. including last year. Uh, this is the Astros, of course, we're talking about. They won 106 last year. Now they lost Justin Verlander. Yeah. Who won the Cy Young last year right. and didn't really replace him. Other than they just seemingly always have this never-ending pipeline of you know young number right. two starters. Right. Uh, so the, the latest one is a guy named Hunter Brown, who's debuted last year and, and looks very good. Now, is he going to be Justin Verlander? No. no. But, uh, <laughs> I they, can answer that question. They just have a million good starters. Yep. They have a million fastball slider relievers, including Ryan Presley, right. uh, who's really good. They signed Jose Breu away from the White Sox to oh, add to right. a lineup because, you know, the lineup was really struggling. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. All they had was uh, Jordan Alvarez, who might be the best slugger in the league other than Judge, Alex Bregman, uh, Kyle Tucker, Jose Altuve, Jeremy Pena, who stepped in for Carlos Correa and won, uh, I think, ALCS MVP last year. Uh, yeah, that lineup, you looked at that lineup and you go, these bums need a good right-handed bat. So right. they went out and signed uh, Jose Abreu. I, I just look at this team and I think – this is they're closer to the end than the start of this. Sure, but they're still dynastic right. run. But if that ain't and they hitting this year. Yeah, I don't think so. Like and and the fact that they've now fired, they're on now their third front office or front office leadership right. in the last five years. One got booted for cheating. One took over. They hired right. James Click from the Rays and won the World Series, and then he wanted, you know, decent money, and they were like goodbye. <laughs> um, you know, Dusty Baker is the manager now. Right. Um, I, I just five years from now, it wouldn't surprise me if the Astros were just sort of mediocre and maybe actually in a tough spot with some of these contracts and everything. But I, I kind of view them as like the Warriors last year in the NBA, where it's just like, yeah, they're closer to the end of this window than the beginning of this window. But my God, but if, that, that doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter how close, right? If you're asking me, they're going to be good in three. I'm not betting in the over under three years. I'm betting in the over under this year. I agree. I mean, I just look at, like I said, they they have, and the Twins have seen this firsthand over the last few years, including in the playoffs, uh, 2020. But like, they just have a bunch of, you know, mid twenties number two type of starters. Yeah. Framber Valdez is a number one type of starter. I think they always have a pretty good bullpen. And then this lineup just goes like five or six deep in not just good hitters. We haven't even talked about like Michael Brantley who's banged up right now, but like this lineup just has the potential to be the best in the league. My question is sort of how high is this number going to be? Right. So what would so you is guess? Is it going to be high enough that I will actually right. take the under? Yes. 
My guess was 94 and a half. I'm betting that's too low. Yeah, it's 96 and a half. Yeah. Which is the highest God in the damn it. in the I think the highest in either league actually. I didn't look at the National League, but I'm assuming 96 and a half. 96 and a half is an extraordinarily high number over under. Uh now with that said, they haven't won fewer than 95 games in a full season since 2017. Right. Uh they won 106 last year. To me, this it's, division is better though. Texas is going to be better. I said I was going to take the under on Texas. I'm going to take the over on Texas. I, I think. Look at John changing his mind midstream. Crossing uh, things out. Like any good better. Yeah. You put tremendous thought into your picks. 96 and a half, boy. I, I had them at 98 wins. So I should be taking the over on this. Yeah. I'm going to take the over on it. So why? I just think, how can boy. this not be a 100-win team? And people have lost money thinking that over the years because it's easier than you would or harder than you would think to win 100 games in major league baseball consistently but i just the lineup's too good the pitching's too good i just don't verlander they lost garrett cole and didn't miss a beat previously i just at some point this thing's going to end but i i don't know I, they just Boy, have they yeah, just I, have a lot of i talent. have so much trouble taking the over on a 96 and a half just like i would have trouble taking the under on six or on 59 and a half right uh but i uh, whereas i Waved off one. I'm going to stick with the Astros. That's just a, such a big number. But I'll, I'll stick with it. Okay, I'll stick so with over on that. I'm going to – So just so we, I want to clear, be clear, but I okay. got yours right. You took the over on Houston. Yeah. You took the over on Seattle. Mm-hmm. You took the under on L.A. You took the under on Texas. Yeah. And you took the over on Oakland. Correct. Okay. You and I bet – I'm glad I changed Texas because otherwise we would have matched on every one of these. Okay. So I'll take the over on Our Texas. most disagreement was in the AL East. So I will take for the two I'm putting emphasis on that I'm betting, quote-unquote betting on. Right. I will take um, – I'll take over Houston and un, and over Oakland. Two ends of the spectrum. I am taking under the Angels. Okay. And boy, 82 and a half. This is – John, that Texas John, one is just vexing. I really thought I was going to be, oh, no, they're going to be much better. Um, I'm also going to take the over on Oakland. I wish you guys could see the spreadsheet that he's got that he's marking up. Like the, <laughs> It looks like the, you know, in the movie Seven, did you ever see the movie Seven? When they find John Doe's <laughs> yeah, apartment, yeah, yeah, and he yeah. just has these endless notebooks yep, with right. scribbling. Yep. That's what his right, right. spreadsheet looks all like. Right. I'm going to go through all of them because I like to do it at the end yes. so I don't have to listen to the whole episode of the okay. next year. <laughs> right. John from the future. This You're at the correct part of the podcast <laughs> that you wanted to go back and listen to. We started with the AL Central. Okay, Cleveland, we both took the over and you bet on them. White Sox, I took the over. You took the under on 83 and a half. Minnesota. I took the over. You took the over. We both bet on it yeah. on 83 and a half. Uh, Detroit, you took the under, and I took the under on 69 and a half. Kansas City is also 69 and a half. We both took the under on that as well, and I bet on it. Okay. Okay. East, uh, the Yankees at 94 and a half, we both took the over. <laughs> yeah. Toronto at 92 and a half, we both took the over, and you bet on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tampa Bay Rays at 88 and a half. Both, I took the over, you took the under. I'm betting on it. Okay. Baltimore at 76 and a half. I took the under, you took the over, uh-huh. and I bet on it. And then Boston, we both took the under, and you bet on it. On 77 and a half. Okay. Okay. West. West. Houston at 96 and a half. We both took the over. Yeah. And you bet on it. This is why. I get- 
odds makers setting lines is oh, difficult. Yeah, that's they, right. You can't find a high enough line that two <laughs> two idiots like us won't take a over on that <laughs> Seattle at eighty seven and a half. We both took the over. Okay. The Angels at eighty one and a half. We both took the under, and I'm betting on it. Mm-hmm. At Texas at eighty two and a half. I'm taking the over. You're taking the under. Okay. And Oakland at fifty nine and a half. We're both taking the over, and we're both betting on it. Yeah. All right. All right. There's your American League. That's the American League. Folks. I mean, if it plays out this way, do we want to finish? What is? Let's predict the win total for the Minnesota Twins. That's oh, what we'll end okay. On. Uh, okay. Eighty-three and a half is the over/under. Seventy-eight. They won last year. Fangraphs has them at eighty-three. Baseball Prospectus has them at eighty-eight. What would you like to say for the Minnesota Twins? Uh. 87. 87. I'll say 88. <laughs> okay. You. Just the prices are right. Optimistic. Yeah. Optimistic. Price is right you. There you go. All right. All right. Uh, goodbye. We'll be back uh, with a Patreon midweek. Yes. Probably uh, just one Patreon next week. If you we'll have a problem with gambling, dial 1 800. Thank you to BetterHelp. You can yes. talk to them about gambling if you'd like. <laughs> That's uh, right. Soda Stick, uh, uh, Rotowire. And Forgotten, Forgotten Star, Star, the opening day party with John Bonus and uh, cast of thousands. Yes. Uh, Forgotten Star, March 30th, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Cleveland.